Viola's made the angle, and he's made a brilliant goal that could be the beginning of yet another legendary comeback here at the Unipol Domas. Nicolas Viola right out of the top draw. Yo, 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 and welcome back to Serie A Spotlight. This is episode 111, and we're your hosts, Matt and Jake. Match day 22. That's what's up. That's what's up. Very interesting intro. I like that. <laughs> I like that we're going to keep changing it up every week. Nice. Let's we'll see where this takes us. Like, I noticed that we say hello and we're really not hello people. Like, who do we say hello to? You I know? say hello many times a day. I'm but you're an English teacher, bro. <laughs> you're an, I'm a salesman. Hello, guys. How was your weekend? <laughs> Yeah. Goal of the week, tell us something about it, brethren. The goal of the week was phenomenal. It was mm. who else but Nicholas Viola, mm. the fantastic player dedicating his goal to the late Gigi Riva. Yes. The man that there was a minute of silence for in each and every game. It was a I lovely... thought it was for Saponara, the minute of silence. We will be having a minute of silence for Saponara. Nice. I don't know if we should get it out of the way now, but. No, we'll do it. We'll do it later. We're. Okay. Talking about our devast- goal of the week. I am devastated. Of course. Devastated. Is it the Turkish league he's it's at the now? Turkish league. Come on, Turkey. I hope you're ready Turkey, for, sorry. for what's it called? What's their league called over there? The the, what's the Turkish Super League. The Turkish Super League Spotlight. We're your host, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, the goal of the week was fantastic. Um, Nicolas Viola. It was um, the comeback was on when he scored that, but of course, Kalier, you couldn't quite do enough to penetrate Torino yeah. one more time. When there's that much power mm. behind a strike, you don't expect it to curl so much. Yeah, absolutely. The yeah. technique yeah. and power with which he struck, it was amazing. And this happened on Friday, this goal. And we looked at each other like, no matter what happens, this is our goal of the week. Baldanzi... Had a close contender, yes. Baldanzi had a very, very good goal because you don't expect a slow shot like that to be so well-placed that it keeps from outside the area to mm. keep Chesney rooted to the spot like that. Mm, delicious. If you... <laughs> know how Tony Kroos scores his goals that's that's the best way to describe this it was such a Tony Kroos-esque yeah. goal and Baldanzi has struggled a bit to assert himself into this team um, to the Sampoli side and he's recently been rumoured to be leaving as well apparently Roma are very interested Roma um, uh, sorry Empoli want 15 million straight up that though. might be quite a bargain for a player like Baldanzi he can he's grow very young exactly and he's already Showing flashes of brilliance. Yeah, I'll miss him and Kambiagi. When they play yeah. together, they're very fun to watch. Caleb Ekuban had Another a phenomenal goal. Another fantastic goal, goal yes. Um, granted, it was a rebound, but the form was spectacular. It was a bicycle kick, no? Yeah. Did not think Caleb Ekuban had Actually, that in his an acrobatic volley, because acro- we've made yeah. this mistake before. I thought... It was sideways, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bicycle kick is a ravushata, yeah. right? Yeah. Acrobatic volley. And Speaking of ravushata slash bicycle kick, Tati Castellanos had a crazy one, bro. He chipped the keeper with a bicycle kick, but <laughs> he, was, he was offside. Yeah. Ay, ay, yeah, it was ay. a lovely dinked ball over the top by Luis Alberto as well. Mm, that, that's, that probably would have been a contender, to say the least. Yes. We're probably, so we haven't quite decided on an episode name yet, but mm. you guys will know because we've released this, but we're thinking something along the lines of penalties are hard. Yeah, penalties are hard, simple as <laughs> We had quite a situation this um, weekend with five penalties being missed. Um, Duda, Teo Hernandez, Giroud, Nico Gonzalez, Kristovic. Um, yeah, that's it. Those guys all missed a penalty. Was that five? Five, right? 
Do that, Teo Juru, Nico Gonzalez, Christopher. Yes, The goalkeepers who saved the penalties were Martinez, Sommer, Turati, and Skorupski. Correct. They all saved the penalties. And Dybala, Suslov, and Orsolini all scored their Yes, penalties. we had eight penalties awarded, yeah. five of which were missed. That's absolutely crazy. We were out at a bar watching, Can you imagine? watching Milan against Bologna. And... Yeah, man. <laughs> we were very vocal we were going inside through of this bar. We actually spotted a Milan fan drinking alone. We noticed it was a Milan fan because he was reacting to everything mm-hmm. that Milan were doing. So we he was angry some... texting after every mistake. Yeah, that, that's yeah. the sign that you're a Milan fan. <laughs> yeah, we gave him a sambuca. He was very appreciative. He seemed to be in high spirits after the draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, unlike some of us. Yeah. <laughs> If you guys are new here, don't forget to drop us um, a rating wherever you're listening. Drop us a follow, like our content, sign up to our Patreon, give us kisses. Everything. Everything. Let's become best of friends. Now that you've entered, we don't want you to leave. We are essentially the Hotel California of Serie A podcasts. Exactly. That's us. Yes. Hello, welcome. You're never leaving now. You're never leaving, dude. You're no. gonna, you're here forever. That's exactly. it. And our group chat is lit. Yes, it's so lit. It's, it's it's so good, man. I would say top five group chats in the world. <laughs> 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 yeah, easily, bro. Easily, easily top five, if not top three. <laughs> um, shout out to the legends who make this group group chat a thing. Our patrons. Um, Alan, Andrew, Andy, Anthony, Tim, Campbell, Sluge, McNood, Lena, David, Kyle, Luca, Matthias, Mintoff, Michael, Tonna, and Ed. Um, you guys are amazing. Um, love what you've been posting in the group chat. Love the whole betting thing at the weekend. Everyone posting what they're yeah. what they're betting on. It's great fun to yeah. see. Um, it was it was Tim this weekend who put a bet of under 0.5 goals in uh, the Lazio Napoli game with two depleted sides the odds were five and he, he managed to turn my guy yeah, he managed man to like some Tim money. man like Tim um, and a shout out to Alan as well who got in on that action and yeah. made some money as well yeah um, I don't know if you noticed me giggling because you said Michael and Tonna after each other ah. and Tonna's name is Michael Tonna <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. absolutely true. fucking brilliant you to change that one for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like one person um yeah. Yes, shall we get straight into the rundown? Yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. We're going to start things off with Fiorentina nil Inter 1. There was a penalty miss over there by Nico Gonzalez, who could have equalized over there. A few refereeing calls that probably need to be discussed over there. Uh, Lazio nil, Napoli nil. If you had a nap during this game, I wouldn't be too surprised. Not too eventful over there, but like Jake said, there was a great moment. So Tati Castellanos is overhead kick. Um, Juventus won, Empoli won. It was an early Milikret card that set Juve off on the wrong foot. And Juve failed to extend their lead at the top of the table since Inter have a game in hand. Milan 2, Bologna 2. Three penalties awarded in this game. Two missed by Milan, Teran Giroud, and one scored by Bologna through Orsolini. Atalanta 2. Udinese nil, two assists by Charles de Catelare, and to be honest, Atalanta are looking so fucking good right now, man. Salernitana one, Roma two. There was the second win in a row here for Roma in as many games. Cagliari one, Torino two. That is where our goal of the week by Nicolas Viola took place, and also it was a very emotional match um, um, with memories obviously going out to Riva. 
Genoa 2, Lecce 1, another missed penalty over there. And what could have been a great goal by Albert Goodmanson, a free kick from miles out that hit the woodwork and bounced off the line only for Retegui to turn it in. Monza 1, Sassuolo 0, Colpani getting on the score sheet over there, his first goal in nine matches, and Verona 1, Frosinone 1, where we had another missed penalty, this time by Duda. Yeah, um, very eventful match day. Um, it was quite promising for Milan, but seeing Juve drop points for the first time in what feels like forever. Yeah. Um, but it's a shame that they couldn't get it over the line and they currently find themselves on an island, bro. That third place is an island. Yes. Because it... you're not close enough to really compete for the for the Scudetto. And I know that before this Bologna game, we had a conversation about that. We were like, are Milan still in it? And technically, okay, Milan aren't out of the Scudetto race, but it's very, very difficult. They're still not points. out of it. They're still not out of it. It's just that many points need to be dropped. And at the rate that Inter and Juve are going, I can't really see them dropping many more points. No. Granted that, um, of course... The Champions League ties need to need to take place. Yeah. Uh, we don't know who they're going to draw. We don't know how far they're going to draw. But the odds are against Milan right now. And I think no one in their right mind would bet on them because they would have to pretty much have a flawless run from here on out. Yeah. While the others need to make mistakes. Milan aren't too far from a flawless run in that sense. I'm just looking at their last six games over here where there are four wins and two draws. Um, one draw was against Atalanta, the other draw was against Bologna. Now, those are very tough opponents. They're opponents that um, Inter dropped points to Bologna earlier this year as yeah. well. So, it's not that Milan are on a negative run. It's that Milan pr- probably should have more points, considering the, the performances on certain stages that they've been putting on. I genuinely believe that, you know, in, in a game against Bologna where you have two penalties... I don't know, hmm, maybe you should have won that game. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? And maybe they would have been in a better position. But now if Inter win their game in hand, Milan are 11 points behind them. Yeah, look, Inter and Juve have lost one game. Milan have lost four. Inter have conceded 10 goals. Juve have conceded 13 goals. Milan have conceded 25. There you still, go. There's still a bit of work to do with Milan. Granted, they were balancing the group of death along with everything. The injury crisis at the back, you know. All these factors, of course, play a part. But I don't think it was really Milan's year. Uh, this season, it, it hasn't been Milan's year. No, just say that. Absolutely not. But without further ado, I think we should jump in to discuss the first game that we're going to be covering. Yeah, Fiorentina nil, Inter one. The previous encounter was a four nil victory for Inter very early on in the season, where we thought Fiorentina were going to be shite this season. <laughs> yeah, both sides didn't play a match day twenty one as they were in Saudi Arabia playing in the Super Cup. Fiorentina quickly entered and exited as they lost 3-0 to Napoli in the semis and Inter defeated Lazio with the same scoreline before beating Napoli 1-0 in the final to earn gold. These teams now have a game in hand and Inter, for the first time in a while, coming into this game, found themselves in second place as a result of this. Inter had Hakan Chalanoglu and Nicolo Barella suspended and Juan Cuadrado injured. Fiorentina had Cristiano Biraghi banned, Castrovilli, Dodo and Oliver Christensen sidelined and Kwame at the African Cup of Nations. Sotil pulled out in the warm-up, replaced by Mbala and Zola. When it came to the lineups, it was a 4-2-3-1 formation for um, Fiorentina with Terracciano on goal and a backline of Parisi, Ranieri, Martinez, Quarta and Faraoni. They had Duncan and Arthur in the double, double pivot, Bonaventura out on the left, Econe out on the right and Beltran playing behind Inzola. Interesting, obviously, to see these two strikers um, playing together, especially due, obviously, because of the injury crisis. 
you guessed it, it was a 3-5-2 for Inter, Sommer in goal, backline of Pavard, De Vrij and Bastoni, Darmian and Augusto were the wingbacks with Frattesi, Aslani and Mkhitaryan in the middle bit of rotation going on over there, um, with Lautaro Martinez and Turam up front, absolutely no rotation going on over there obviously. Now in the 13th minute, Faroni did exceptionally well to slide in and intercept a square pass by Turam to Augusto, who would have had an open goal if had it not been for the excellent defending of the veteran Faroni. One minute later, from the resulting corner, Lautaro headed in Aslani's near post cross to open the scoring. Fiorentina complained due to a push by Lautaro on Parisi, mm-hmm. who went to ground, but the referee deemed the contact too soft. And to be honest, I agree. With the referee. Mm, yeah, same here. I don't think there was enough in that. He really made a meal out of it, and I feel like yeah. the fact that he he made such a meal out of it didn't help him at all. Didn't no, no, no. It looked pathetic. Yeah, to be honest. yeah. I almost recommended testosterone replacement <laughs> therapy to him. He went down so easily. In the third is I am not on TRT because that's what it sounded like. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to recommend this thing I've been doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm on steroids. In the 32nd minute, Terracciano denied Fratesi's strike from just inside the area, getting down well to deny Inter a second. And two minutes later, it was Summer on the other side who produced some heroics, denying Bonaventura's half volley from inside the area with a one-handed stop, tipping it over the bar. In the 54th minute, Parisi's cross shot only needed the faintest of touches to go in, as Summer was rooted to the spot. However, no one was there to guide the ball in, and the ball curled just wide. In the 69th minute, Nzola received the ball with his back towards goal, nudged off Devray and turned to shoot only for Pavard to block the strike excellently and the ball rolled into the hands of Sommer. Bonaventura was wide open and would have had an open net had mm. Nzola passed the yeah. fucking ball. Just look up, man. Yeah. 74th minute, penalty awarded to Fiorentina. Sommer essentially punched Nzola in the face. Um, after punching the ball away, the follow-through did uh, land cleanly on Inzola, who went down in quite a bit of discomfort. Fiorentina had almost capitalized before the call was made, but Pavard headed off the line. Nico stepped up and attempted a Jorginho-style penalty, which was easily saved by Sommer, to say the least. It's funny to see him opt for the Jorginho-style penalty when Sommer is the goalkeeper who recently saved two of Jorginho's penalties on international yeah, yeah. duty. He was the first one to save a Jorginho penalty, actually. Uh-huh. And I feel like Fiorentina should have had that knowledge. Nico Gonzalez should have had that uh, knowledge. Um, there are many curious things about this um, this situation. So, mm. so first of all, yes, it's true it is a Jorginho-esque penalty, but that's the way that um, Nico Gonzalez has decided that he wants to take penalties. He's been taking them like that all season and so far to perfection. However, one common thing that Alan sent on the group chat um, today, this morning actually, uh, is that the last five Nico Gonzalez penalties were identical. Mm. The same skip, the same jump, all in the bottom left corner, all of them. It's surprising that a player at that level doesn't change it. Like, yeah. what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> honestly, are you are you dumb? <laughs> like, honestly, like, I don't say this often, but but what are there's so much tape. These guys do their do their homework. Yeah. They do their research. Yeah, but but do you even... think Summer wouldn't have been watching the penalties of their number one penalty taker? When I mean, it's fit? not it's it's not only that. See, like you you're, shot you're, them all at the bottom left. You're you're one hundred percent right. Maybe even I would have saved it had I had the knowledge that. 
four of his previous penalties all went in the same corner with the same run up. I'm like, okay, if he's doing that run up, he's yeah. definitely doing the same thing. Like, but Summer, bless Summer, in the sense. He is one of the few goalkeepers that stands his ground until the ball is shot and yes. doesn't commit from so the So many court. people, especially nowadays, have been just jumping, guessing and, and jumping. Yeah, another keeper that does it, I sing praises to him for that, is Donnarumma. Yeah. But Donnarumma has significant height to his advantage. Mm-hmm. So he could, all, he, he's all, he could always commit in time, even after the ball was struck. Somewhere needs to be a little bit more athletic and a bit more mm-hmm. acrobatic mm-hmm. to pull off those saves. And Summer... 13 clean sheets, actually, now. Um, the most in the top five leagues. How much is it him and how much is it in his defence? He's been um, pretty good, man. And I feel like when the season kicked off, he didn't have much to do. So we couldn't yeah. really see um, what he had to offer. But nowadays, man, he he pulls off a good save, like a great save every single yeah. game. Yeah. No, and I mean, a good one against Fiorentina as well. More than one good save. He had one, I believe, it was on Bonaventura. Yeah, yeah, the the half volley from yeah, inside the box. Exactly. He tipped, he it, tipped over it over the bar. Yeah. So acrobatically, as you said, yes. Um, if goalkeepers like Donnarumma are blessed with their reach, he's mm. blessed with Ochoa-like reflexes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's a fucking cat, and obviously highly rated at Monchen Gladbach. Replaced Neuer at Bayern Munich after Neuer was out for a while. So it's no secret he's a great keeper. Inter are great at making these scoops where they get fucking world-class players at no cost mm. whatsoever. Um, I have a note here, the importance and consistency of Lautaro Martinez. Uh-huh, because, like, he's he's totally stepped up, and I think this is the first season in a while where he hasn't had a dry spell halfway mm. through yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, yet 19 least. goals in 19 matches. Yeah, he's become prolific, man. And if you think about the reputation that this guy had, a couple of... Um, seasons ago he was an up-and-coming striker some would deem him to be wasteful you know mm. um, doesn't always take them well, kind of like how, how Thuram is now he's yeah. good like you know Thuram's great yeah. but he still misses those good chances Lautaro had that rep and mm. he was really like he, he was like that nowadays he's become lethal mm. lethal and and it's crazy that even in games where Inter don't stand out as the much better superior side um, or in a game where Lautaro is pretty much quiet, he still manages to find the winning goal. Yeah, yeah. And um, obviously, because you mentioned maybe it was a bit of a tighter affair, like Inter didn't blow Fiorentina out of the water by any way whatsoever. And it was that fluency of Inter that they typically have that was lacking in this game. Now, obviously, mm. there was no DiMarco on the pitch. There was no Barella on the pitch, and there was no Hakan Chalanoglu on mm, the pitch. Yes, if you look, shift midfield completely. Yeah, Fratesi, Aslani, Mkhitaryan. If you tell a prem head that midfield, they'll roll on the floor laughing. <laughs> if you mention that midfield <laughs> to them, um, Carlos Augusto obviously is a is a great player, but Demarco is the creative outlet for Inter. So the fact that Inter won this game with a clean sheet when you could say that I wouldn't say a decimated side but an experiment an experimental side Aslani really hasn't gotten minutes mm-hmm. and he was there looking decent you know what I mean and Inter still managed to get away with a win 
it's becoming plug and play, isn't it? Yeah. Um, for for Inzaghi, he's really asserted his system over there. Granted, it was something that wasn't totally new to these guys, having played for Conte. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, but Carlos Augusto was super, and he he didn't give Inzaghi a reason to introduce Di Marco. He basically showed him, listen, I'm capable of holding my own over here. I can finish the game. And yeah. he demonstrated that because he worked tirelessly. And this was the Carlos Augusto we got to know at Monza. Mm-hmm. I'm truly back in full flow. Inter do look fatigued. Of course, they have they have had quite a few um, fixtures overlapping. Yeah. Um, in the, and overseas as well with the... Yeah. I believe it's hot in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, right yeah now. it must Correct be. me if I'm wrong. <laughs> it must be fucking steaming. But they did look... Fatigued, yes, and that's why we saw those changes and we saw a lack in, in fluidity whatsoever. But what do I always say? Good teams always find a way to win. I want mm. to highlight the performance of Benjamin Pavard mm. and not just in this game, but ever since joining, yes, he had been out with an injury um, for a while. But if you look at the statistics, he's actually been a, an incredible, incredible defender Um we're used to seeing him, even for France, as in more of a right wing back role, right? As a mm-hmm. as a as a right back, he has that mm-hmm. fucking famous goal for France against Argentina, couple ah, of World Cups ago, dude, couple of World goal. Cups ago, which makes me think he's old, but he's only twenty seven or, or or something like that. Um, but I was expecting to see more from him going forward, but slotting into that defensive role, I quite like him over there, man. And obviously Bastoni. He fit in. Great. He fit in like a glove, um, Pavard. He he's come in, and uh, to be honest, he does the type of job that you don't even notice. It goes under the radar, yeah. and then when you watch closely, it's not like you're seeing mistakes or anything like that. Perfectly flawless performances, one after the other. That's mm-hmm. that's been the the tale of his inter journey so far. Bastoni, on the other hand, has a lot to to work on defensively, in my opinion. I However, so. in a back three, it works perfectly. I think if Spalletti were to deploy him in a back four for the Italian national team, people would be surprised by the mistakes that he he would yeah, make. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you 100% over there. Often as well, caught out of position, but mm-hmm. I guess that is the nature of, th- of his of his, his role. role. Yeah. For him, he for always has Devray, Pavard, Bissek, uh, Acerbi. He always has one of those guys to, to cover for him. He's a playmaker. Yeah. That's his main yeah. role over here. Now, shall we discuss the controversy? Um, there were three calls that caused speculation among the two sets of fans. So there was the initial goal. We both said nothing doing. Mm-hmm. And um, Paris should hit the gym, essentially. Yeah. Um, the second one, there was a thug by Bastoni on a Fiorentina player inside the area. Um, um, where he gave up on the ball and like... Yeah, him to yeah. Luca Marelli actually said that that should have at least been a VAR check. And mm. VAR checks do typically... Fair enough, I, I, I'm always of that opinion. I, I, I think if it's there, check exactly. it. I think if, if it's there, check if it. If there's something that looks shady, check it. Yeah. Simple as, you know? Yeah. yeah. Now, the, the third one is the one that typically has divided rooms and and it is the the penalty that was awarded to Fiorentina for the punch by Jan Sommer punching the ball away and his follow-through landed on Enzola. I am of the opinion that this was a penalty because the rules clearly state that even though if you get the ball, if there is dangerous play following that, 
We often see 50-50s where players go clattering into each other for the ball. A player would knock the ball away and then plant his studs on the shin of a man and he gets a red card because despite getting the ball, there's violent conduct over Mm -hmm. there. Unfortunately, a punch with force in the face, unfortunately for summer, naturally, it, it can be considered violent conduct, especially since it's to the head. Um, so to me, that, that is a penalty. I understand that, that obviously he got, he got the ball first, but I, I don't make the rules. I totally disagree with you. One, because you're wrong, and two, because you're fucking stupid. I think you are straight up the stupidest person I've ever met in my you're life. You're a stupid, moustache-having-ass bitch. You're, you're, you're bald and dumb. <laughs> How's that pen and paper going for you, writing down what you have to say next because of your shit memory, you idiot? Um, just FYI, I'm writing these things down so I don't say something inappropriate. Because <laughs> <laughs> if I leave it to my instinct, I might say something I regret. Mm. I'm kidding. Um, of course, bro, in my opinion, since, okay, so I think that I'm of the opinion that goalkeepers need to be protected in their mm-hmm. box. The box is the territory of the goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. If a cross comes in and the goalkeeper rushes out to punch the ball, he's got every right to do so. If he makes contact with the ball first, the follow-through should not matter, in my opinion. Mm. Granted, there can be unfortunate events where you end up literally cunting a guy in the face, like yes. what happened here. However, uh-huh, um, I, I, I'm of the opinion that, that that shouldn't have been a penalty. Okay. Simply I... because he strikes the ball first. Had it been with his foot... Had it been with his knee, had it been with his head, that's a different story. But with with his fist, yeah, it was a follow-through that hit him. So if you, as the striker, and me, as the goalkeeper, mm-hmm. you're entering a scenario where you also have every right to go for the header, mm-hmm. and I have every right to go collect it, right? But I know that if I swing in a certain way to deal with the ball, I am endangering my opponent. Do you think it is fine for goalkeepers to enter certain duels in a rash manner with the risk of harming their Absolutely. opponents? Yes, if the if the the striker should have enough presence of mind to know that I'm going this this goalkeeper is rushing at me and I'm not gonna get there in time. Now, it's it's very difficult because if because most strikers will go for it anyway. In mm. the heat of the moment, with all the adrenaline you have, um, a goaler isn't going to say, I'm going to hurt the striker, I'm not going to go punch this ball out. And no. The striker is not, not going to say, I'm going to get clattered in the face, I'm not going to go for this header. You mm. know, quite most of the time we see strikers, like we saw Bove in the Super Cup semi-final, yeah. scoring a goal, Zerbin, sorry, Zerbin, Scoring a goal yeah, and yeah, clattering yeah, yeah, yeah. his face into the the post. Um, yes, I, I I think that they need to have enough presence of mind to to know that they're risking it going out with the goalkeeper like that because that's his territory. Yeah, I I completely understand. I disagree because it's a fifty fifty duel between two men, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter to me if it's inside the box. I it doesn't matter if it's that, in the center I think circle. Giving that um, fades the rule a little bit. Because then, you know... What the rule's the rule. The rule is that the that, that if the follow-through is dangerous, 
then it's a foul. It's, but does it's, that rule apply to goalkeepers too? I know that that's that's the rule for outfield players, but I'm mm. not sure if that's the rule for goalkeepers. I was I was sure that goalkeepers were more protected than outfield players. I think at the end of the day, the reason that this was given as a penalty and probably the reason why I believe that, that this was a penalty is because at the end of the day, Inzola got punched in the fucking face. <laughs> he got punched in the face when trying to score a goal. And... To me, that's violent. That that is as violent as conduct, <laughs> as violent a conduct as it can be. Yeah, yeah. He literally got punched in the face. But yeah, yeah fair I, enough. I, I don't it's want to. It's a weird one, right? We always we I can always imagine say... going to the monitor and not giving that. You know what I mean? like... <laughs> it's weird. It's yeah. weird. And, it's, it's a difficult. One. I would it's hate tough... to be the referee yeah. in that scenario. Um, but but like like we always say, we're not fucking professionals. I hate, I hate, I hate talking I, it's about my least, codes. It's yeah. my least favorite thing in the world, honestly. Um, but yeah, a call went against Inter. Huh? Yeah, that's something to write home about. <laughs> um, Inter are first one point ahead of Juve with a game in hand. Uh, that changed real fucking quick. Um, whereas Fiorentina find themselves in sixth now, one point behind Roma in fifth. Look at Roma. Look at Roma living life with without Rossi, Mo. Yeah, flying. Yeah. Um, Lazio Napoli happened and there was a lot of hype and it disappointed everyone. The previous encounter was a 2-1 victory for Lazio. Um, Luis Alberto and Zielinski scored and then Kamada came out with the winner, if you remember that. Oh, yeah. Um, Napoli had Anguissa and Ozyman still away on international duty. Cayuste was unavailable because of a yellow card accumulation. Gvartskeli as well, if you remember, um, both of them got silly yellow cards. Cayusta was basically begging for one. Yeah. And Guevara got one in the 94th minute for complaining. Meret <laughs> um, was out. The muscle injury, of course. Nathan out too. Oliveira, Simeone and Hamad Traore. The new boy. Yeah. New arrival, formerly at Sassuolo. Welcome, Hamad. Welcome. Immobile, Patrick and Zakani were out for Lazio. So the lineups were... A 4-3-3 for Lazio with Provedel in goal, Lazzaria Marzic out on the flanks with Gila and Romagnoli at the back. Guendouzi, Cataldi and Luis Alberto were in the middle. Luis Alberto entering the 11 again for the first time in what feels like a while. Isaacson was out on the right, Philip Anderson out on the left with Valentin Castellanos starting up front. Now, weird, they're not hearing Tati Castellanos. Yeah. Valentin. It's, it's very, Tati is the brand, eh? Yeah, it's all about Tati. It was a 3-4-2-1 formation for Napoli. Um, if you listen to our last episode, we highlighted that Mazzari had reintro- well introduced his three-at-the-back formation yeah. in the Super Cup um, because he'd basically given up on the 4-3-3 yeah. due to how terrible it had been going. Not not quite Hamsik Levetsi Cavani up front, though. Because yeah, that's quite. the Mazzari's 3-4-2-1 that we're used to at Napoli. Yeah, not quite the same at all at the moment, at least. Maybe with Guevara and those men, it can change a little bit. Yeah. It was Gollini in goal. The rapper hit me, Matt. Gollini. Thank you. Juan Jesus, Rahmani and Ostigard were at the back. Di Lorenzo on the right, Mario Rui on the left. Lobotka and them in the middle with Politano and Zielinski playing off the very narrow shoulders of Raspadori. You have to do bro dirty like that. Of course I do. Um, Tim and Alan. Wonder bets. Well done, lads. Yes. Con- conjubilations. <laughs> conjubilations for putting your under 0.5 bets. Very clever. <laughs> Both teams, of course, um, struggled this game. Okay. Mm-hmm. And... It, it was detrimental for both sides as Atalanta's victory pushed them both down away from that Champions League spot. 
So yes, the first half started, there was minimal action, slow play. Isaacson was lively and his long-range attempts failed to hit the target. Um, I believe it was also Cataldi who had an audacious attempt from, from way out, but he was nowhere near goal, nowhere near mm. goal. So it was basically both teams just shooting from a distance, trying to create these half chances, if you would even call them that. The second half showed some promise. Um, there was an offside call that negated... A spectacular goal by Castellanos. This would have been amazing. Alberto played the ball over the top. Tati chested it and bicycle kicked it over the keeper. So he chipped the goalkeeper with a bicycle kick. It would have been Mental. absolutely incredible. Um, Vecino had a moment of idiocy where he should have headed the ball across the face of goal, but instead went for goal himself in the dying moments. Can't stand that. Hate it. It's a standard Hate routine. It. Please. Hate yeah. it. He also failed to hit the target with his head a minute later. So he was brought on to to make the difference and he failed yeah. to do so. Those were the clearest cut opportunities and that pretty much sums up this snooze fest of a game. Matthew's <laughs> yawning. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a monotonous game and it concluded with no winners and bitter disappointment. Honestly, the most interesting thing was seeing Ngonj and then Donker in um, a Napoli kit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the referee um, getting an injury. He pulled his ass cheek. Yeah, did he? And they put the magic spray on his ass cheek. God damn. Yeah. His gluteus maximus. So one thing that I want to point out is that Napoli had zero shots on target. I thought that Lazio were, to be honest, slightly better this game. It's true that Napoli dominated possession, but at least Lazio shot. You know, they had a shot on goal. They had seven shots in total. While Napoli just had two shots, none of them on target. Well, they were definitely the team that was more likely to score. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When, when All you have to do is look at the attempts and the XG. Now, I don't think either team did anything close to deserve to win the game. I think it was a very cagey affair. None of the teams let loose at any point and played the flowing brand of football that both teams are quite used to. Um we know that Lazio in full flow and Napoli in full flow are two vicious teams when when it comes down to it. But this was more of a more of a cautious approach. I think both teams are flirting with the idea of top four, mm. um, and none of them really afforded with the positions they find themselves in to lose three points. Uh, it was one of those games where losing points was not losing points was more important than actually. Yeah, getting points, winning points. One thing that I I want to say is Isaacson, bro, needs to needs to relax. I think. In what? I think he needs to he needs to calm down, man. He strikes me when when I watch him play, I get nervous for him. He's so he's nervous. I don't know what it is about him. He plays with with a lot of urgency, man. Mm. He gets the ball and he's like re- he's dying to prove himself. He's dying to. To get that ball into the box, he's dying to shoot. He's devastated when he hits the target. He's constantly looking around at his teammates with, with this face like I can't believe I hit, I missed the target over there. I think if he relaxed and played his game without all this fucking pressure, he would do much better, man. Because he's lively, eh? he's good, he's all over the place. I like his he's, he's good. He's, he gives them a totally different avenue mm. um, down the right side. Um, he he had um, a lovely ball to, to Tati Castellanos at one point in the middle as well. It was slightly behind him and Castellanos went for a for a spectacular finish. He tried to pull it back with his um, with his studs, kind of like a back heel kind of thing. 
and you can see his accent so devastated. Bro, yeah. relax. <laughs> It'll work for you, no problem. But, but you know what? On the other hand, and then, so there's that. There's calm mm. down. Um, don't play with too much pressure. Mm. Then on the other hand, football is cutthroat. If you don't prove yourself in six months, they're bringing someone else who can totally steal your spot. And that's so it, it's eh? difficult to balance, man. That's it. That's it. Like, like you look at CDK's short time yeah, at Milan, exactly. it could have ruined his life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Had he not been doing so well at Atalanta, um, you've seen players never recover from one bad season. Yeah, you know they get they get the curse. But yeah, I think I think he's a look. He's a very talented player. Um, it's true, he is very like hard on himself in that in that sense. But I think with more time will come more confidence, and I think he'll be he'll be just fine. And even I feel like he could take another second before he fires his shots. You know what I mean? I feel like he does everything a bit too quickly. Maybe that's just my my observation. Yeah. Well, well, in, he's probably getting used to Italy, where there's I don't know where he was before. But I want to say that the Swedish league, maybe. Um, Here come the messages. <laughs> Can't believe you said. <laughs> The Swedish league, Swedish Norwegian, bro. They don't even have a league. No, they don't. Um, Let's see. But he's probably, you know, st- still adjusting to the the tight defense that you you come across when when you're playing in Italy and that that press that you have when you're in mm-hmm. Italy. He was in Denmark with Mittelind. There you go. Yeah, oh, he has good numbers for them: 100 appearances and 24. Goals. Not bad. Good. Yeah. Not bad at all. He's got, for the under-21s, for the Danish under-21s, he did very well. There's about 19 games, 7 goals. That's quite crazy. He's still 22. He has a lot of yeah. time to, to prove himself. He has a lot of time to calm down. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> yeah, a very sh- promising player over there, Isaacson. Mm-hmm. I thought that he was one of the standouts this game, one of the, the real bright sparks of this game. I, w- I was interested in Lobotka's performance as well. I thought he was a bit more lively than usual. Mm-hmm. And But other than that, nothing really to write home about. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Regarding the table, regarding the standings, regarding the standings, we have now uh, Lazio in sixth with thirty-four points, while Napoli are down in ninth with thirty-two points. Yeah, but however, a win could really propel them into the right direction. Um, ninth really isn't that devastating when you look at the point difference between fourth and ninth. Um, next up, Juve one, Napoli one. This was a a, hmm. a good game. I really enjoyed watching this nice game. this game. Um, Juve coming off a 3-0 away win to Lecce. Empoli coming off a 3-0 home win against Monza, where Zerukovsky scored his hat-trick and it was Davide Nicola's debut. The Bianconeri were seeking a sixth straight Serie A victory to put them temporarily four points clear of Inter, who were due to play the following match and have a game in hand. Danilo was rested as he was one yellow card away from missing the Scudetto showdown at San Siro with Chiesa, Rabiot and De Cilio injured. Bastoni, Kovalenko, Destro, Guarino and Tyrone Ebuehi were still injured for Empoli. It was a 3-5-2 formation for Juve with Chesney in goal and the back line of Sandro, Bremer and Gatti. Kostic out on the left, Cambiazo out on the right and the midfield three of Miretti, Locatelli and McKenny with Vlaovic and Milik up front. You'll find out soon why starting Milik maybe wasn't the brightest of choices. The like-for-like like, uh, 3-5-2 formation for Empoli as well with Caprile and goal on the back line of Ismaili, Valukevic and Luperto. Giassi out on the right and Kakacci out on the left with a midfield three of Zurkovski, Grassi and Male with Cambiaghi and new boy Cherry starting alongside each other up front. Now in the fifth minute, Vlaovic went for a goal from a free kick from miles out, showing the confidence the man is sporting due to his recent form. 
It was well saved by Capri there, who was in fact challenged. In the 17th minute, Milik had his initial yellow card upgraded to a straight red after a lengthy VAR review. The striker miscontrolled the pass and then committed to regaining possession, only to get none of the ball and plant his studs into the shin of Cherry. Juve, who were hoping to gain an advantage on Inter, suddenly are in trouble very early on. Cambiaghi forced a good save by Szczesny and the shot stopper was once again called to action to deal with an in-swinging Cambiaghi cross which was heading goalwards. Empoli were piling the pressure on a more pragmatic looking Juve following the red card. On the stroke of half-time, Giassi played a lacklustre defensive pass which put Miretti clean through on goal, but the strike was overcooked. How, like, I'm... Well, Custeria spotlight was shitting on Giassi. No! Giassi's fuck-ups always make the highlight reels. They literally yeah, yeah. always make the highlight reels. They're always we, we so just, bad, we bro. We just talk about it. He's the one like, making the mistakes first, every week. First he was starting up front and he couldn't stop missing chances. Now they put him at right wing back and he can't stop playing the opposition clean through on goal. When are they going to realize that Giassi is not a good player? It's as Giazzi. simple. I have never watched Giassi and say... Jassy's good man, this Jassy. I he's never got, said that ever. He's got two things about him, Jassy. What right? are they, bro? So, first of all, his industry. Mm. He doesn't stop, okay? Mm. Granted, fair enough, okay, there's that. He's got his industry and he doesn't stop. Second of all, he pulls goals out of his ass in the biggest, most difficult moments, bro. Like when? 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 Against Milan, bro, for Spezia, for example. You, you did this guy is still salty about what no, happened three years because ago. Because it's true. He scored one even this season, I believe. He scored a goal. Jake, you, yeah. you're mentioning when when he scored a goal Italiano with Spezia. Italiano Spezia, bro. On Valentine's Day, three years ago. Or four years ago. It could have very much been four yeah. years ago. <laughs> it was four or five years ago. And you're talking about that one time he did something. Yeah, but no, no. He's He's got a knack for scoring big goals, honestly. We'll, we'll do a, a stat check after this game. But that's all. That's it. That's it. Um, when it comes to technique, when it comes to composure, when it comes to playing flawlessly, he doesn't, he doesn't do any of that, no. Your memory is crazy. That was like four or five years ago, genuinely. I remember, though. It was a big goal. It was a big goal. I was out at dinner with Key. I was waiting for Sarah to get ready while smashing the mattress because I I couldn't believe it, man. Smashing the mattress while waiting for Sarah to get ready. Banging my fists on the mattress. Because I just wait a bit longer, bro. But anyway, yes, that's that's Giassi. In the 50th minute, Juve capitalized from a set piece as Vlaovic volleyed in after Miretti's corner was nudged into the Serbian's direction by Gatti. If there was a way Juve could score when a man down and playing in such a pragmatic way, it was through a set piece scenario. Yes. And that, that is the importance of set pieces. It allowed Juve to gain an advantage over here and they went 1-0 up and then they put everyone back and it's like no problem. Portimugno. We just have one less one less striker. Let's just hold back and defend. And I think they thought it was gonna be easy. Yeah. But twenty minutes later, in the seventieth, Empoli equalized through a brilliantly placed strike from Baldanzi from just outside the area, right into the bottom corner. As I said earlier, very Tony Cross esque. Just a placed rolling pass at the end of the day. And for that to leave a Wojciech Szczesny rooted to the spot is very impressive. And especially with you having all those players behind the ball. All those players. And you just see the ball. 
go in between all of them and into the bottom corner. Beautiful. It's the the type of finish a, a very good football player goes for. A very yeah. smart, a very opportunistic, a, a killer of a yeah. football player. How many for. people would smash that? Just go for power Absolutely. and it just ricochets of three Juve bodies. And it's know? one of those goals that when you see it initially, you think someone made a mistake. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't the case at all. It was literally a player making the most out of a split second. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, this is what I think. In order to score, the first thing you have to do is get the ball on target. Mm-hmm. So why just fucking release power and, you know, reduce accuracy? When if you get it accurately on target, then you obviously increase your chances of scoring by so much. Mm-hmm. This is the penalty debate that we're going to talk about when we talk about Milan. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, you make a good point there. But sometimes power... Is key, especially Perhaps. when it's a clear-cut opportunity. Perhaps. Um, In the 77th minute, sorry, I'll just finish this off. Please. Empoli almost sealed the deal after a phenomenal pass by Cambiaghi. Played Country Larry through on goal. Ah, Country Larry, my next victim. <laughs> but his shite first touch allowed Wea to slide in and clear the danger. Moments later, Cambiaghi tried to catch Chesney out at his near post, but the keeper denied him. Now... This this is something that perhaps went under the radar. Probably because it wasn't that big a deal and I'm making it a big deal. But to me, it is a big deal. When the referee blew the whistle, Chesney was out of the box and his mm-hmm. pass went to Cancellari. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, Cancellari probably wouldn't have scored because he's Cancellari. And, yeah. and because when he touches the ball, <laughs> you know what I mean? It just goes somewhere it's not supposed to. His first touch always goes somewhere it's not supposed to. And he spends the first second and a half trying to <laughs> regain his footing and angle himself in the right position to recollect the ball and run. But Chesney was out of the box and the ball was at country Larry's feet from like yeah. 30 yards out. Really weird time to whistle, man. It was a questionable time to whistle, definitely, when the goalkeeper is off his line. Um, I think country Larry did shoot and he missed, he missed the target, if I, if I recall. Um, he definitely shot, um, but I remember Alan, I think, on WhatsApp saying that he he was nowhere near the target. I'm not sure if he was speaking. But I think he he was exaggerating. Because the ball was still arriving (laughs) at his feet. When ah, so, the, he, so he shot after. Yeah, so, so he heard the whistle and shot kind of. Exactly. Like, exactly. It was a half-hearted attempt. Yes. Contrary, um, your analysis on him is is um, hilarious, but it's pretty accurate, to be honest, <laughs> the fact that he seems to be chasing his uh, first touch more often than not. But let's remember he's only 21 years old, yeah. and he's got the mold, he's got the makings to be a decent Serie A player. In he my has, like, the... I like big, quick wingers. He, and he's that. So Chiesa is... Kind of one, mm. like we're like talking that. six feet. Now is kind of one like mm. that. Cancellari is bigger, yeah. Yeah, Cancellari. Yeah. We're talking one eighty centimeters, twenty-one years old, Italian. Okay, um, has Lazio on his CV. It's a good start to his career. Definitely, he's definitely doing well. Um, he's doing well because he's playing consistently in Serie A. Twenty-one, you know. It's yeah. Simple, simple yeah. as. Um, I wanted to talk about Cherry, and I wanted to praise him a little bit for. For getting Milik sent off. Yeah. Um, Milik had a situation where his his desire to amend for a mistake ended up putting his team in a lot of danger and ended up costing his team mm-hmm. two points. Um, Cherry, though, so unfortunate for Milik. Cherry, I don't think, is a serious striker. 
I said I, last episode I like his mold. Um, I like what he what he stands for. You know, a big striker can easily be deployed in a team that like has good wingers, a crossing uh-huh. system, things Very like that. Very interesting how you're saying this now, and he literally would have like it was almost thanks to him that Empoli got a point. Ah, yes, game. yes, but it's it's just man that there were certain situations when I was watching him this game where. He just doesn't have it. There, there were loose balls around him. He couldn't get to them. There was at one point he was played. All he had to do was take a first touch and take like five steps. He would have been in a good shooting position, one on one. He couldn't even do that. Like mm. you know, and and he's not young anymore. I checked. Now he's twenty seven years old. I remember mm. Cherry's been around for a while, and he's been the same mold of a striker for a while. It just seems that his his desire seems to have. He's not faded. He's not. A, he's not. He's a not the player. That Nicola or Empoli want. He is the mold of player mm-hmm. that they want because they've got Cambiaghi and they want to have the Lukaku, the Bala, <laughs> yeah, kind of that. Big guy, yeah. They, that, that's the dynamic that they because they can start Baldanzi and Cambiaghi up front yeah. together. You know what I mean? But th- that's not what they want to do. Um, they can also perhaps try start country Larry over there, maybe. He can take one touch and score or with it. Or Jazzy, bro. Aha, Jazzy. Yes. Start, start Jazzy over there and they'll instantly get relegated, bro. <laughs> I swear to God. Mela, in, in, Mela, in this game, um, there are two things to look at. So, firstly, Empoli, in the sense that, so they won their first game under Davide Nicola's management 3-0 against Monza. Very convincing. Second game, they're playing away against Juve, who just got first, and they managed to get a point out of it. Now, in the opening 17 minutes... <laughs> Bro, if I can't believe what I've seen, Okarek has joined Torino. <laughs> See? Oh, 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 yes, he's back! Okarek joined Torino, back with the fucking celebration. Yes, Bro. I was thinking about him recently, funnily enough. Boateng is at the Sal- Salernitana headquarters. Okay. Kumbulla has gone to Sassuolo, so they've just brought in another mech center back. <laughs> Yeah, a lot going on. And Bellotti joined Fiorentina. Sorry, I've just opened my phone and I fucking gasped. It's confirmed of Bellotti to Fiorentina. Bellotti to Fiorentina, yes. They, they even posted a, a picture um Fiorentina. And guess what they posted? A cock in a cage. Oh my god. No, oh, that's it's a amazing. cock behind the net. Yeah. It's a cock behind the net. So, Okereke to Torino. Okereke to Torino. I love that's cool, that. Man, that's cool. I love cool. that. That gives them something to connect that midfield to the attack a bit more. Yeah. Anyways, can I continue? Please. Is, yes, that, yes. is that okay yeah, with if you? If I see something else, I just scream and interrupt you. Again, no <laughs> yeah. Okay. I wish you guys had the sight. I don't know. Whatever. So, okay. Back to Empoli. Great. Nyang to Empoli, by the way. Nyang to Empoli is confirmed. His hair is totally different to how it was, by yeah. the way. Nyang, we will never forget that miss against Barca. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. I'm joking. I'm joking. We love Nyang. This is our fault, by the way. These interruptions, because we decided to record this episode on transfer fucking deadline day. So everyone's posting shit. And we're out here trying to record an episode. Yeah. But yeah. Okay, so Empoli under Nicola, they won their first game 3-0 against Monza, which was amazing. Zurkowski hat-trick, it was nuts. And then they went up against Juve, who obviously were in great form, six wins in a row, or five wins in a row. Um, and they were temporarily first as well, because so morale was high. And 
Now, whether or not they were lucky because of the red card uh, from Milik in the opening 17 minutes, or whether they were challenging Juve into those 50-50 scenarios and were capable of getting a man sent off in the opening 17 minutes, um, Empoli did well. That's point Absolutely, number one. Yes, they yes, they, yes, yes. they did phenomenally. Secondly, Juve also did very fucking well. Mm-hmm. Because being a man down against a high-press side like Empoli, who were attacking and attacking and attacking at that point, and putting a lot of pressure on Juve is not easy. And Juve weathered the storm, managed to get a goal um, from a set-piece scenario, which was the only way that they probably could have scored in this game. And and then um, a moment of brilliance by Baldanzi is what obviously um, t- took Empoli over the line with a, to, to a 1-1 draw. Well said, perfectly put. I don't think there is anything that needs to be added to that. I think Juve played it out perfectly. And as you said, it was literally a moment of brilliance that um, that cost them all three points. But they handled that red card pretty much perfectly, I thought. I thought yeah. the reaction was good. They they held back and they played for those set pieces. And this is, to be honest, a style that they're very familiar with because of Varlegri. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So, since there isn't much to add, I'll just... Uh, talk about Baldanzi a bit because I'm waiting. It's transfer deadline day. I'm waiting to hear some news on him, to be honest, because Roma want the fuck out of him. Roma really, really want him. They also inquired about... Uh, no, it was Fiorentina, I think, were really inquiring about Goodmanson, but apparently they want 25 million. And I'll, fucking, I'll, I'll take a loan to buy <laughs> Goodmanson for same. 25 million. But it's it's a risk because of his background. Yes. Um, the allegations, in case you guys think I'm being fucking racist or some shit. Like, um, <laughs> But yeah, Baldanzi, Roma, trying to seal a deal. Um, they're probably trying right now. Like, um, Empoli adamant to keep him until June and for 15 million with basically... They'll issue the invoice payment upon receipt of invoice. Like that, that's yeah. that's the way they want it. And we know Roma don't play ball like that. Roma want to loan in a player. Um, uh, Roma want the option or or uh, installments. Yeah, they they want different installments. Fifty percent up front and then fifty percent after he wins the Ballon d'Or. Like an interest rate of two percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that, all that stuff. Um, Baldanzi, of course, for those of you who are not versed in the law of Serie A. Um, he's a tiny playmaker, quite small. Quite, I would say he's quite, quite a small guy, no, in, st- in stature. I mean, smaller than average. Probably he's one seventy centimeters. Okay, he's wow, he's, he's short. short. Than me. Yeah, 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 bro, he's a tiny guy. Um, he's got a left foot from the gods. Very yeah. technical. Um, has been kind of inconsistent. Oh, he's five seven. Five, he's five seven, foot seven. Go. Um, kind of been inconsistent this season, but it's something you'd, you'd expect from a 20-year-old football player at the highest level, you know, especially at his stature. Mm-hmm. Um, once he really learns how to use his body well and how to work, um, how to work optimally, he, he's going to become a very good player. I really, really rate about he's, that. He's good. I really like him. He's got, he's got magic, and not every player has magic, man. He's capable of, of doing these these mm-hmm. things, like this goal that we saw today. I also really like Kambiagi. Kambiagi. I know we've spoken about him before. Player totally, but I, I do yeah, enjoy. He's his taller, five five foot eleven. He's, he's very, a he's a hustler, and he's also very intelligent. He he played mm-hmm. some great passes in this game to try set up country Larry. Yeah. But he doesn't know. stop working, Kambiagi, all game. Until yeah. He's exhausted and taken yeah. off. Like. Facts. Juve, second, 53 points, one behind Inter, but, you know, Inter have a game in hand. Empoli, one before the last, still. 
Um, just one point behind 17th place Udinese and 18th place Cagliari though. Milan took on Bologna. No! Yep. Um, and the score was 2-2. Um, the previous encounter saw Milan beating Bologna 2-0. Mm-hmm. As there had actually been a trend of Milan beating the, Bologna with ease. That was the opening game of the season where Pulisic scored. Uh, Giroud and Pulisic, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Puli, Puli, you know, USA, yeah. USA, USA, that whole thing. Yeah. Missing players for Milan. Benasser came back from AFCON with an injury, of course, um, as usual. Caldara's out, Kalulu's out, Pabega, Chao and Tomori are all out. And Chukweza is also away on international duty. Well, on the other end, for Bologna, they are missing El Azuzi, who's also on international duty, Indoya, Posh, and Sao Mauro. For Milan, it was the usual 4-2-3-1 formation, with Manian in goal, Calabria, Kier, Gabi, and Theo at the back, with a double pivot of Adli and Reinders, with Pulisic out on the right, Leao on the left, and Ruben Loftus-Cheek playing behind Olivier Giroud. For Bologna, it was also a 4-2-3-1, the two sides mirroring each other. Perhaps this could have been seen as Motta's audition for the Milan job. <laughs> Skorupski was in goal with Christensen out on the left, De Silvestri out on the right with Calafiori and Belkema at the back. Abishar and Freuler were the double pivot with Urbanski on the left, Fabian on the right and Ferguson playing behind Joshua Zergzi. Obviously, when we saw De Silvestri starting right back and Leao starting left wing, we're like, all right, do I bet Leao to score or assist? Mm-hmm. Because Leao fast, the Silvestri slow. But man, oh man. He won a penalty. That could be deemed as an, as an assist. No? <laughs> if he would have scored the penalty, it would yeah, be fair enough. debatable. <laughs> like, but fuck. So, the game started off um, back and forth. And in the 16th minute, um, darkness illuminated. Darkness illuminated. That's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. How said. can darkness illuminate? Exactly. So darkness took over the San Siro, and everyone in the stands put their phones, with their torches on up in the air, and the screen turned on with a Martin Luther King quote. And everyone was clapping for Manion, basically. Of course, the 16th minute, because Manion wears the number 16. It was a very nice gesture. Yes. Um, Anti racism and all that. In the 19th minute, Rafael Leao created a chance for Milan. He tested Skorupski with a great shot later in the half. Xerxes scored for Bologna, taking advantage of like how many rebounds, bro? Um, I don't know. But it was like a game of ping pong over there. It was crazy, man. It was Just a, clear the ball. Yeah, it was a game of let's see how many, uh, like who's, let's see which defender manages to remain flat-footed the longest. So that's, that was, that's what the game was. Matthias just messaged Baldanzi to Roma. It happened? I don't know. I'm getting on it. Baldanzi Great planning news. I'm recording today. It is crazy. Roma agreed deal for Empoli talent Baldanzi. All right, there we go. That's is uncanny. This official? That's crazy signing. Roma have reached a verbal agreement. Well, that doesn't mean anything. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. It, it will most likely happen. If I had to bet money, I, I would say it will happen. Yeah. So yes, bro, that Zergzi goal was um, very well placed by him. Um, very suspect defending by Milan. And Zergzi really took advantage of that to put Bologna in front. Um, Ferguson's high foot in the box led to a penalty for Milan just before halftime. Olivier Giroud stepped up and it was saved um, very well by Skorupski, who caught it, actually. He caught this one. Yeah. 
Ruben Loftus-Cheek scored a goal, however equalizing just before halftime. Um, he managed to turn in Pulisic's cross by running late into the box. Um, Calabria's cross, sorry, not Pulisic. It was a fantastic um, play by Loftus-Cheek. And if he keeps inserting himself like this, he can actually rack those numbers up, I think, this yeah. season. Yeah. Early in the second half, Xerxes missed a chance to regain Bologna's lead. And shortly after, Reinders hit the frame of the goal for Milan. 20 minutes um, to go, Teo Hernandez missed a penalty for Milan um, after there, there was a situation in the box involving Leao. Leao was punched in the face. Yeah. Speaking of punch in the face, this was a clear penalty. Yeah, there was <laughs> absolutely was. No, no reason for his arm to be there. The, the girls but, didn't think it was a penalty initially. The guy went down. Yeah. <laughs> Did she got punched in the face? It was clear, 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 clear penalty. And um, he he missed it, yes. Yeah, he hit the post. He hit the post. The Hernandez has struck the woodwork and went on to score the rebound and to run off with a big smile on his face, leaving me wondering, do you not know the rules? <laughs> yeah, you would think, eh? He'd know. Yeah, you know, as a professional footballer and all that. <laughs> yeah. Um, with 20 minutes um, to, 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 to go, um, Loftus-Cheek scored his second goal exactly. This was... Um, a headed goal this time after a, a great cross once again. Um, at the end of the game, Terracciano had just come on to bring on some defensive solidarity to Milan. Um, the new boy, Filippo Terracciano, arriving um, during Hellas Verona's bonfire sale this season. As they sold pretty much every promising player there. Yep. And he gave away a penalty. Yep. Um, he pulled the man down to the ground. Ricardo Orsolini stepped up and scored the penalty, pretty much showing Milan how it's done. Now, bro, first of all, that Terracciano foul, was it necessary would he have scored if he hadn't been pu- pulled? I don't think... I, I, I'm not sure if he would have scored. Um, but the picture is a bit hazy in my brain of where the ball was going and where the player was placed. Um, he was running at the far post, bro. Let me remind you. Yes, but I don't know. But I don't know where the ball was. Was the ball a bit too deep? Was it too high? Was it, it going straight too to deep, him? But I don't know if his run was hindered because he had been pulled by Terracciano. I don't know if the pull was actually Look, significant. Usually, now, the pull isn't that significant. Like we were just talking about Inter. I said I mm. don't mind a little bit of pulling and pushing in the box. Um, this was clear. This, this, to me is quite stupid from Terracciano because nowadays if that's checked and you've got a handful of your opponent's kit in your hand yeah. in the box it's going to be it's, it's it's going to be given as a penalty yeah, 100% as day so i i found it as quite like i was just wondering if it was even necessary i thought the ball might have been a bit too deep I, that, that's injury. what i thought yeah, yeah. you're you're refreshing my memory uh uh-huh. but but yes, um, not the best intro for Terracciano mm-hmm. at Milan and uh, his first two games, not very good. But yeah, man, um, I I don't know how to feel about this game. I feel like the setup wasn't spectacular by Milan. I feel like there were there were a lot of moments where it just wasn't working and. It wasn't clicking for Milan in attack, you know. It's like out of ideas, the usual. Good to see Leao doing quite well, really stretching the defense and running at, at the opponent. When he won that penalty, he managed to beat two players with ease. And they, mm-hmm. It's like, meet me, you know, like roadrunner, yeah. literally. Yeah. When he goes off like that, there's no stopping him. Um, 
But yeah, man, missing two penalties is inexcusable. And to be honest, there's nothing Pioli can do about that. He said the team up, they scored two goals from play and they had two penalties, which they missed. I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I don't. I, this game left me with a sense of emptiness to me, a sense of confusion, and I, I've been dreading talking about it. To yeah, be I, I, I couldn't believe it. Um, first, just something to point out is Motta got sent off in very, mm. very early mm. on in the game. Very early yes. on in the game, he was <laughs> devastated about something. I think probably the first penalty. The penalty, yes, yes. Um, okay, so I think yes, Milan didn't create so many clear-cut chances. But Milan had two goals from open play. They had 50% ball possession. They had 14 shots, four of which were on target. On top of that, they had two penalties, which they missed. Milan could have won this game for two. Milan could have scored four goals in this game easily by having a good rigorista well Giroud typically is um, and so is so is Theo but it was an off day confidence wise when it comes to Milan conceding the two goals Bologna are a very solid side going forward they're very very creative probably one of the most creative teams in the league this season obviously however they were going through a spell of slightly negative form Xerxes he barely spent any time in the box. I think he had two opportunities he missed from inside. He missed a really good chance a good after chance. setting himself up yeah. with beautiful control. But spending all that time in the Trequartista area feeding his opponents. And they put pressure on Milan and Milan conceded too because their defense at the moment is Calabria, Kier, Gabia, Teo Hernandez. To me, there is absolutely, absolutely no reason to point any fingers at Pioli for the dropping of points over here. Look at the previous games and say perhaps the Napoli game, the Salernitana game, the Lecce game. These are all 2-2s, funnily enough. All the games that I mentioned, including this one. Um, look at those games and sure, you can criticize Pioli. But when you put your best available 11 out there, they score two goals they miss two penalties and then a new guy that you bring on for some defensive solidarity, this guy that was highly sought after by Fiorentina and all these guys, really clumsily gives away a penalty in the last minute of the game and Orsolini steps up and scores the penalty. What is there to fucking... If I were purely, I would be absolutely fucking livid, man. Livid. Milan deserved to win this game. Especially 100%. when you miss the first penalty. And you get another one. You make sure that that penalty is on target, man. 100%. You don't the same you go for power. You've missed a penalty this game. Where the ground was a different penalty taker, you know. But he saved one. Hit it as hard as you possibly can. I know I've said this so many times on the podcast. So this is, but this is it, man. Just put your foot through it. Enough with the nonsense, man. If the goalkeeper guesses the right way and the penalty is soft, he might save it. If he guesses the right way and it's a rocket, there is a very small chance of him saving it, you know? Yeah. Just put your foot through it, man. Put it in the back of the net. I don't get it. And you know, you know what? I, I remember watching Teo step up for the second one. And I was like... I was like, okay, it's it's not that... Like, if Giroud stepped up to take the second one and missed it, I'd be calling Milan idiots for, for mm-hmm. letting Giroud step up after just missing a pen. So I'm like, sure, Teo Hernandez. And I remember thinking, 
another left footer. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why I made that, that observation, but I don't know. Is it anything like? Mm, no, I doubt it. Bro, how was Pulisic on the pitch for the second penalty? Pulisic was stopped off. Yes, he was on the pitch for the second penalty. Why doesn't Pulisic take penalties? I, I don't know, I man. I think, he's a, yeah, I think he's a big game player. I think he'd have the, the mentality to execute mm-hmm. a penalty to perfection. To Did you see Leao spoke out, said that he wants to take penalties from now on? Something of the sort. I'd, I'd be curious to see how he takes them. Hey. The ones we've seen so far in penalty shootouts have been... Yeah, but okay. All right, yeah. Mm, he's a confident guy, man. Dude, I would have had Kier on both of them. Bro, Kier. Do you remember? Every, yes, I remember. Every yes, shootout remember. I've seen when Kier was there, man, he took the best penalties. True. Honestly. True. Like, top corner, no nonsense, you know, mad attitude. Yeah. Um, Tele Lombardia, bro, claimed that... Now listen to this. What universe are we living in right now? Mm. Tela Lombardia claimed that Zlatan Ibrahimovic has reached an agreement with Conte to become <laughs> Milan's manager next season. I know you're not a massive fan of this. So, uh-huh, yes, I mean, I can't help but feel a little bit... First of all, okay, Tela Lombardia, not to be taken too seriously. Okay, yeah. So, off the bat. These are this is just a fun... Medium rare, yeah. roast-like. There we go. Um, uh-huh, I'm... I can't help but feel excited about Conte because when there is Conte, there is silverware. It's mm-hmm. as simple as that, right? Um, what I do worry about is the long-term future and how he would approach the job. Because Milan right now are on a course of sustainability. And I, I'm 100% sure, don't get me wrong, that the owners will prioritize sustainability before anything else. They're mm-hmm. not going to bring in Conte and because they're afraid of him walking out or him speaking too much in the, to the press... They're gonna just throw money at him and give all the players, give him all the players he wants, despite their age and despite like how good or bad they'd be for the project. I, th- that's it. I, I I just worry that the approach from the from the team would be would be that man. L- like from the okay, management. so Milan's project is Milan's project, and it's long term. At, at the end, at the end of the day, what this might cause is Conte speaking negatively about the the ambitions of the team to the public. That is what I fear, because Milan will tell him, "No, you can't buy fucking Ashley Young. Stop mm-hmm. asking us if you can buy Ashley Young." <laughs> like, no, no buying Moses. You know, <laughs> no, you're not bringing Moses back to Italy. All right, stop trying to bring Moses. He'll, he'll try to do this this funky shit, and Milan won't let him, and he might complain to the media. And that will suck as a representative of such a prestigious club in Milan. But I disagree with you when it comes to the long-term effects that will have on players. Because every team he's managed after he's left, the teams kept winning silverware. They kept on winning silverware. You look at Inter. You look at Juve. Fuck the English teams. Fuck Spurs. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Even though they're quite good under Postacoglu now. But my point is, he creates... Champions. He creates players with winning mentalities. That Inter team of right now. How many of those players do you think have that winning mentality because of Simone and Zaghi? A few of them. How many of them have that winning fucking mentality because of Conte? A bunch of them. Because he creates fucking champions. Yes. And yes, he might leave after three years and guess what Milan will have a bit more silverware to their name they'll have players with with bigger desire 
and he would have set Milan up for another successful five years. The pull power will be stronger, it will be there again, and the players that are introduced to the team will be surrounded by players who know how to play in a system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes, I just again, I wonder how he'll approach the job. Um, I'm sure that uh, he he's going to bring that mentality, he's going to bring... He'll introduce that mentality to the squad just like Zlatan did, you know mm. what I mean? Zlatan's arrival was a turning point. He turned the boys into men. And I think Conte will turn men into animals mm. now if, if he does come. Um, I, I can't help but feel, though, that I would want a manager that that would last longer than Conte. You know, I'd much rather get like a, a Thiago Motta type, I think, that, that you can actually build the project around and develop slowly. You know what I mean? Like a five-year thing. Mm. Conte won't spend five years. Conte will do two, three years maximum. Yes, yes. You yes. know what I mean? But but also, you're, you're, but in those two, you're hoping years, for Sir Alex Ferguson, like, <laughs> you're hoping to wake up to a blowjob every morning. <laughs> you want a jacuzzi inside your room, like, bro, well, Thiago Motta is the equivalent of a jacuzzi jacuzzi in my room and the blowjob in the morning <laughs> that's what you're telling me Motta is the coach of fucking Bologna dude Jake Jake <laughs> Milan have just had four years of Pioli Milan have had that manager that that is going to create somewhat of a winning mentality in this team and to cater for that project however through steps towards success Sometimes you need to bring in a Mourinho. Sometimes you need to bring in a Conte. Mourinho, sure. Uh, again, but you know what the thing is, man. So Mourinho and not Conte? Yes, because simply, 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 I like knockout competitions. I like to play on all fronts. One of my biggest problems with Conte is his fucking terrible, terrible, terrible record in knockout competitions. In the Champions League. It's shit. Yes, it's shit. <laughs> It's terrible. He'll win you the league, yes, but he won't even compete in the, in the Champions League. I love the league. All right? I, love, I was going to say which one's well, more, which one's more important. But Jake, again, Inter just made the Champions League finals two years after having Conte as their manager. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what he does to teams. Yes, yes, yes. That's what he does to individuals. He gets the best. And and also another point. Calabria. Mm-hmm. He's not going to play right wing back. For Conte, you can forget it. That's gonna be Musa. That that's gonna be Terracciano. That's why, gonna be why, why? so because Calabria, he, he his qualities for a, a very intense system that Conte plays with down the wings. I think Theo's perfect for it. I think Calabria might always be a step or two behind play. I fear. Mm. But he might transform this is, him this entirely. Is, yeah. Yes, but this is an example I'm, mm-hmm. I'm giving. Don't take it too literally. Yeah. Um, but he'll play him right center back, and guess what? We would find out that Calabria was born to be right center back at a three at the back because mm-hmm. Conte Conte knows how to get the best out of his players, and he finds where they should play. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. Now again, Conte. Are we talking like three five two strictly? Does he do? He does four three three four. Sorry, three four three. Right. He does three four three. Three four three would be okay with me. He does three five two as well. Uh-huh. Um, three five two Might doesn't work for Milan. Because you have Leao playing up front, which totally negates his to- what he's all about. In my in my opinion, um, three four three would be would be yeah, pretty three, solid. Three four three. And, is and the you know idea, what, though. man? If if Milan bring in Conte, the last thing I'm gonna do is complain because that means that they're spending money on a manager. That means that they're putting everything. Um, on the line for a trophy and you can't be mad at that you know it's just that as a Milan fan myself 
I've grown to view Conte as the enemy. He's the Conte devil. is the enemy. Conte is the Conte devil. Conte is the man on Juve's touchline. Conte is the man on Inter's side. Conte is the man coming on in the 2003 Champions League final for Juve and uh, almost scoring. Yeah, against Milan. Against yeah. Mil- now, can we stop? Because I feel like I'm treating on Pioli right now. Yes. Because Pioli <laughs> is still the manager. And he has done wonders for Milan. We're talking about it the other day, how before Pioli was... Um, Gianpaolo before Gianpaolo was Gattuso before Gattuso was Montella there was yeah. that entire fucking period so respect to Pioli always yeah he changed the round for Milan but yeah, yeah. Um, nice to see as well bro by the way Bologna coming back after two L's in a row yes um, they recovered, uh, draw away to Milan is something I'm sure they'll take, especially with a penalty at the death. Milan currently stand in third with 46 points, while Bologna are down in eighth with 33 points. Atalanta 2, Udinese nil Miblelon. Atalanta were scheduled to play Inter in match day 21. Um, so they didn't play match day 21, but before that they did beat Frosinone 5 goals to nil. Udinese were coming off a 3-2 home loss against Milan. The previous encounter between these two sides was a 1-1 draw in Udinese Stadium in Udine. Um, La Dea missed Cope Miners and Hien with Adamola Lukman at the African Cup of Nations. The Fruilani were still without Yaka Bijol, Delefeu, Davis and Ebosse, but despite one point from three rounds, had held Fiorentina and only narrowly lost to Lazio and Milan. Nguyen Perez was making his last appearance uh, for Udinese before the 18 million euro transfer to Napoli. For Atalanta, it was the 3-4-2-1 formation with Carnesecchi in goal and the backline of Kolasinac, Jim City and Scalvini. Ruggeri out on the left, home out on the right with Dagon and Ederson in the double pivot. The Ketelare and Miranchuk surrounded Skamaka. It was a 3-5-1-1 formation for Udinese, with Okoye in goal on the backline of Ferreira, Nguyen Perez and Christensen, Ebosele on the right, Kamara on the left, and the midfield three of Sandy Lovrich, Wallace and Samardzic. Tuvon played behind Luka. Now, Atalanta started the game off playing beautiful attacking football and had notable chances from Scamacca and Scalvini after great passages of swift offensive play. In the 33rd minute, Atalanta opened the scoring after another great passage of play, switching up rapidly. The Ketelare did well to pull back for Miranchuk, who finished into the far post despite somewhat mishitting the shot. Two minutes later, Udinese almost instantly hit back after Tuvon played a great through pass to Ebosele, but Karnesecki pulled off a great save with his extended leg. In the 43rd minute, Karnesecki once again did well to stand firm and deny a powerful strike by Samarzic at his near post. In the 46th minute, still in the first half, Holmes' long throw into the box was knocked down by Charles de Ketelare to Skamaka, who finished expertly into the far corner with power and precision. In the 55th minute, Okoye denied what would have been one of the goals of the season, a home acrobatic volley following a deep cross by Charles de Ketelare. Well, that was the game. Um, Atalanta played lovely football, despite obviously mm-hmm. missing mm-hmm. Cope Miners and... I mean, a special shout-out does go to Miranchuk for filling in those boots and always looking so impressive when he's on the pitch. He's silky. He's very, very good. Um, they were quite wasteful from the get-go, Atalanta, of course. Um, Skamaka, I feel like, was uh, 
was quite wasteful before he got his goal towards mm-hmm. the end of the first half, was it? I believe, yes, towards yeah. the end of the first half. Because um, I remember writing on my phone that um, Skamaka needs to add some bulk to his game as well. Yeah. Because um, he, he gets shoved quite easily off the ball. I know that he's not really that hold-up play type of demon, mm. you know. He's more mobile than that. But, um, but yeah, a bit of bulk, I feel like, would help him. He's quite lanky. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has been criticised by both Spalletti and Gasperini for not running enough. And that, that's inexcusable. Mm. Yeah, I think... I think he needs to improve his work ethic because the talent is clearly there. Skamaka is a very good player. Yeah, and you notice that in in his game. He's not very involved. He's the guy that puts the, the finishing touch. You know what I mean? But with his size, you would hope for his... He has great hold-up play, but he can't hold off many yeah, defenders. His yeah. strength isn't... It's not predominant in his, in his performances. But Miranchuk, I think, um, slots in very well. Um, and there's a very creative outlet for Atalanta. Charles de Caetelare, though, grabbing two assists, could have gotten a third as well if home would have scored that amazing yeah. acrobatic bicycle kick. They've just got these versatile, intelligent, technically gifted players, don't they? Mm-hmm. Atalanta. Um, Miranchuk and CDK are two great examples. Um, playing behind Skamak over here, CDK played a fantastic game, man. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. Um, his vision is great. He, he's confident. This is a version of CDK that I couldn't even imagine if I if I had tried my hardest <laughs> when when he was at Milan. There were flashes. There were moments. I remember discussing on the podcast. There was one ball he had given like an in an out swinging no an in swinging cross with his left foot. I remember at one point over mm. the top this peach of a cross. I was like, wow, if only could do that consistently. Here he is. Here he yep. is delivering consistency. He's got, he's got the backing of his team. He's got the backing of his fans, his manager. He really is doing well at the moment. Um, but it, it needs to be said, um, I really dig Atalanta's transfer strategy. It has been superb. Miranchuk, CDK, Coop Miners, Pasalic, Ederson, for example. These are four midfielders who are very versatile, who are very, again, intelligent, flexible, dynamic, smart. Great business and great moves by Atalanta and the market as usual. Yeah, their their scouts definitely do a a fantastic job um, over there and they always end up making a a markup when they... When they sell their players, and, and we haven't a... even seen their record go, their record signing yet. They bought um, Toure. Yeah, they, they, yeah, and El Bilal Toure, he's he's getting closer to making his first he's appearance. He's been on the bench, you know. Yeah, um, I think we'll be seeing him in the near future. Yeah, maybe next game, the game after, he'll probably feature. Yeah. And I'm very excited because they don't miss with their signings, and if yeah, they spend so much on him, I'm sure that he'll, yeah, Bakker he'll was it. a bit of a disappointing yes, one. Yes, absolutely. I'm so confused by Bakker because he looked promising in preseason, and Gasprini said he's struggling to adapt, mm. <laughs> and we never saw struggling him again. to adapt to run like a human and not a crab. Yeah. I think because <laughs> he literally runs like a crab. Those weird vertical runs. Yeah. Um, Newman Perez made his final appearance for Udinese. He's moving to Napoli. Great signing by Napoli. 18 million is a lot. I'm not going to lie. How old is Newman nowadays? Newman is Nehuen Perez. Age, he is 23 years old. Still young. 
Still very young. 17 million for a 23 year old. 18 million. 18 million for a, for an established center back in the league. I mean, that could be seen as a coup. He's good. He's, he's, good. he's good. Yeah. New one. Solid, solid defender. Solid center back. Yeah. Um, I think, okay, one, just one more point. Um, Atalanta gunning for a top four. And at the moment, if you look at the table, they're there. I think they're better than Roma. I think they're better than Fiorentina. I think they're better than Lazio. I think they're better than Napoli. And I think they're better than Bologna. Yes, I, I think that they they can definitely contest for that um, fourth spot. It, it depends entirely on how the other teams approach the rest of the season and the competitions that they're partaking in. Um, Atalanta, I like their depth more. I think their depth options understand the system better than, for example, Lazio or mm-hmm. Fiorentina or Roma's depth options do. Um, Atalanta have this system where literally if they have a squad of 30, everyone plays on rotation. And that really helps them um, when the going gets tough, you know, because they always have players unavailable, but it never seems to matter. Yeah. Unless it's those fullbacks, those fullbacks, and then need to be fit. Mm-hmm. And um, isn't it strange how, even though there's such a system that revolves around rotation that so many players spend so long at Atalanta you'd think if you're not getting as much playing time as you would like then you wouldn't stay at the team for so long but they have some pieces that have been there for ages man but they have players to feature more often than others I like they have staples in this team so Derun for example is one of the one of the staples, of course, no need to, to tell you you're, <laughs> you're definitely aware of that um, Scalvini um, is another one. However, yeah, the rest, bro, to be honest, aren't no fresh-faced ba- babies, no? You've mm. got, like, Colasinac. Jim City's been there a while. Scalvini's been I there I mean, bro, I'm talking Muriel. I'm talking Pasalic, ah. Zappa, Costa, Hatteber. Yeah. You know, Duvan only left last season. He had spent ages over there. People people like yes. living in Bergamo and playing for Atalanta, I uh-huh, feel. Uh-huh. It's a totally family-oriented mm. club, good vibes, you know what I mean, good energy. Um, they're heroes. They're heroes. Yeah. They yeah. did something that Atalanta had never done. Never. Exactly. Uh, Atalanta are in fourth on 36 points, one ahead of Roma with a game in hand. Okay, so they're 10 points behind Milan, but if they win their game in hand, which is against Inter, so quite a tough one, um, there'll be seven points behind Milan. Okay, that's some great maths, Matthew. Well done, bro. For Udinese, they're 17th level on points with 18th placed Cagliari. Danger, huh? And danger, they've, they've, danger. They, they have Salernitana syndrome where they look really good. They do really well against some top teams, but they never get away with a single point. Uh, 12 draws. Well, okay, so they do get away with single points. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, 12 but like points recently only against wins. Lazio and Milan, where they played well, they mm. they lost both games. Yeah, Salernitana Roma happened. Um, Salernitana lost two one, and it's just that time of week again where I watch Salernitana. I'm impressed and then I'm disappointed because they play and they have been playing very well. They yeah. are currently missing, of course, um, Bulaedia to a muscle injury. Um, Jovan and Koulibaly are out on international duty while Fazio and Pirola are also out injured for Roma it's the usual list Tammy Abraham's been injured forever um, Azmoun's out, Kumbulla's out Indica, Paredes, Sanchez, Smalling, Spinazzola all these guys were out injured 
for Salernitana. It was a goal in a 3-4-2-1 formation with Pierozzi, Gyomber and Danilo Lich at the back. Sambia on the right, Brotheric on the left, Maggiore and Basic playing in the middle with Kandria Vanchuna playing behind Simi in Wank. Whoa. For Roma, it was a 4-3-3 formation with Rui Patricio on goal, Ricardo up on the right, Christensen on the left with Lorente and Mancini at the back, Pellegrini, Cristante and Bove formed the midfield three, Dybal out on the right, El Sharawi out on the left and Lukaku up front. Now Roma struggled in the first half and they failed to register a single shot on target with tensions rising before halftime. Rui Patricio made a few good saves for Roma to keep them in the game as Salernitana kept putting up. Um, more pressure. Pierozzi and Pellegrini received yellow cards for late challenging, late challenges, um, and things were getting very heated over there in Salerno. After a difficult first half, Roma were awarded a penalty, which was converted by Paolo de Bala, giving them an undeserved lead. Roma doubled their lead with Pellegrini's goal from Karsdorp's cross. Um, despite an underwhelming performance. Salernitana, of course, scored through substitute Gregoris Castanos. Um, he scored with a header. Um, and they really piled up the pressure Salernitana to equalize, but could not get through. Um, some things I want to point out over here. So, of course, Roma's this Roma side, the Rossi's Roma, looking more lively, more... Mm-hmm more attacking when it comes to that department at least but i do think that they they look like they didn't have a clue in the first half yeah i i think they were the the weaker side in the first half for sure i think yeah i think salernitana were doing a good job taking the game to roma um seven shots on goal for Salernitana, Salernitana with one goal and, and Roma so took, took two shots on goal with two goals yeah, they've, been, they've been super unlucky Salernitana yeah. and at the moment <laughs> despite them losing all these games and, and getting so close it's always the same they always get close and they always give their opponents a tough game they're consistent in that regard Yeah, they're consistently playing great and, and dropping all three points I feel they deserved more out of this game Um the thing is that this Roma is very capable of a good old counter-attack, bro. Mm-hmm. And Salernitana were gaining confidence, they were going forward, and that's the way Roma are set up nowadays. They're set up to counter-attack you, and that's yes. what they did over here. <laughs> Simi had a terrible miss. Buzic had yeah. a very good game. Buzic arrived from Lazio. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was having a super game and I can't believe he was substituted he was the best player on the pitch in my opinion for, for Salernitana mm. um, Kandreva had a moment man where he nutmegged his man I don't know if you saw it he nutmegged his man went to curl a shot and he missed the target but mm. it was beautiful how he destroyed him I believe who was it he destroyed I believe it was Christensen but don't quote me on that one don't okay. quote me on that one um, Simi is quite a divisive figure. I have found Salernitana Twitter. Mm-hmm. I have found four Salernitana fans who tweet um, regularly during the games, and I follow their tweets to see what mm-hmm. the, their opinion is. And Simi is quite a dis- divisive figure. Some people believe that you shouldn't even be playing in Serie Well, some people believe that, for example, it's only when they take him off that Salernitana really struggles to get going. Um, he's clumsy. He looks like a bad player. I like don't when, like when, him on the ball. When, on the ball, on the ball, he's he leaves a lot to be desired. However, he is a presence in the middle. He pulls his man. If you look at the goal of Castano, Simi's pulling the man out of the way. Yeah. If you look at a lot of the play that 
Salernitana do. A lot of the the pro progressive play um, mm. goes through him, even if he drops in for a one-two, or if he literally opens up space in the wing with a run. Yeah, even he, if they're defending like he was doing against Lazio, he was man marking yeah. Rovella. He made his life fucking hell. And this was a, exactly, and this was a fucking player who rejected many offers from Turkey. He was on his way out. Simi, Simi had mm. been axed by. He had been exiled, rather, by Susa. He hadn't even been considered for contention. Yeah. Um, okay, Simi might not be the best option, but I'm sorry, Ikumezi coming on, then suddenly you lose you lose the aerial prowess of Simi. You know, you, they were launching balls up over the top to Ikumezi, and he wasn't winning any of them. I mean, ideally, you'd have someone like Bulaedia up front, yeah. you know what I mean, who could kind of do, do both those things. Um yeah, he, he he's a good presence to have on the pitch. Um, I thought he was having a good first half, but then there's a situation where he had somewhat of a free header. Yeah, man. His size. Fucking put that in the back of it. At he least get it on thought. target. It was, looping. It was The technique was off completely. It was rubbish, man. Yeah, yeah, it rubbish, was rubbish. rubbish, rubbish. So I, I don't rate Simi too much in that regard. Uh-huh. Um, I think he can put systematically, in a shirt. He systematically, he could, exactly. Systematically, he could be... Somewhat of an asset to a, a team that's trying not to be lost, you know. <laughs> like Salernitana. Like Salernitana. Yeah. But look, I I like the mold they have over here. Imagine Dia in this team. Okay, so you have this midfield's nice with Basic and Majora. Yes. Majora. I like that. Brother Rich has really improved, and on the right you have Sambia who is dependable. Mm-hmm. Can do a good job. I like Chuana. Chuana is playing alongside Kandreva behind the striker who could be Bulaya Dia. Yeah. That's very interesting. Boateng has arrived for his medical. So pop Boateng in the back. So you have Danilo Lich, Pierozzi, Gyomber, and Boateng. You can play any three of those, right? Mm-hmm. This team isn't bad, man. Isn't no, bad at bad. all. I, I also, I, also I, I don't want to get too excited about Boateng because we haven't seen him play top flight football for ages and he was constantly <laughs> being criticized where he was. So I don't want Serie A to... Bring in a player that that's washed and we get overly excited about him, like you know we did I for mean? Nani. Like we did for Nani. Yeah. What, what, what was the name of that episode? What did we name it? A, a star, star is born. Bo- a star in a star is born. A star is born. Is Lady Gaga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a star is born. Nani. Nani. A star. <laughs> a star in Venice. <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, Roma continue to do well, basically, with the Rossi. That's six points out of a possible six, while Salernitana continue to struggle, and Inzaghi's in-game management yeah. um, continues to fall. Pellegrini, two short. goals in, in two games on the, the Rossi, yeah? Yes, uh, he's he's doing well. He's maybe cha- he's living vicariously mm. through Pellegrini. Mm. Okay, Mourinho, you see? He's good. <laughs> he's good, all right. Yeah, Roma are in fifth with 35 points, while Salernitana are in 20th with 12 points. Cagliari won Torino 2, and what was a very emotional match. The girls were like, why is everyone crying? We're like, yeah, Riva died. So I have a few quotes from this one, bro. Yes. Um, <laughs> ah, so yes, the, the girls, girls have Petania on Fantacalcio, but they had no idea what he looked like. Mm. And at one point, um, at the end of the first half, it got the stats sheet, you know? Yeah. And it got Duvan Zapata on the left and Andrea Petania on the right. Not a great picture. Not a of great Petania. picture of Petania at all. My girlfriend looks at the screen and goes, That's him! Yeah! <laughs> yeah is ill. Like. Yeah. 
That's him. Yeah. <laughs> in the first half, also, Makumbu got the ball, and you know how Makumbu plays yes. football. He starts yes. fucking doing needless stepovers. He has a hilarious playstyle. And it was one of the first observations I mm. made when I watched Cagliari this season. It was Makumbu plays a very weird brand of football. <laughs> he got the ball, he did like three stepovers, and suddenly Sarah from behind me, Whoa! Yeah. What the <laughs> hell was that? <laughs> Like I see you've met Makumbu, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's it. Those are my notes. Yeah, Cagliari <laughs> coming off a three-one loss to Frosinone. Torino didn't play a match day twenty-one. Uh, their last game was a nil-nil draw to Genoa. The previous encounter was Torino nil Cagliari nil. This was an emotional evening as Cagliari legend Riva died on Monday and was commemorated that's a word jesus commemorated with flags video clips of his 1970 scudetto success here and the jerseys had his iconic 11 on the chest it was very emotional the sardinians were without oristanio mancozu shomoridov and rog while zito lovumbo was at the african cup of nations toro mistradonic sopi Gigi, and shores it was a 3-4-2-1 formation for Cagliari. Scuffe and goal on the backline of Hatsi Diakos, Dossena and Vietesca. Atsi on the left, Zappa on the right, Sulemana and Makumbu in the double pivot. Yankto and Nandes playing behind Petania. It was a 3-4-3 formation for Torino with Vanya and goal on the backline of Tamez, Bongiorno and Rodriguez. Bellanova on the right, Lazaro on the left and Linetti and Ricci in the double pivot with Vlasic and Zapata. Flanking Sanabria, that must be wrong. Vlasic playing behind Sanabria and Zapata, mm. that has to be it. Okay, so early on, Ibrahim Sulemana sprained his ankle um, and tried twice to come back on after treatment before he was forced to make way for Matteo Prati early on. In the 23rd minute, Torino opened the scoring after Bellanova carried the ball down the wing very well, playing a 1 2 with Vlasic. Then he squared the ball into Duvan, who slid in and finished making it 1-0. In the 28th minute, Skuffe pulled off an excellent save to deny a Sanabra header after an in-swinging cross. In the 35th minute, Yankto had a good opportunity to equalize, but his strike was weak and straight at Vanya. Then in the 40th minute, Zapata did well to break through the line of defense all by himself, like a big boy, only to be denied by Skuffe, who stood his ground and made himself large. One minute, gra- one minute greater, there was another great stop by Scuffe, scooping a potential own goal off the line, regaining his position well. In the 48th minute, still in the first half, Richie nutmegged a player down the wing before cutting in, beating another man at the edge of the area, and had he produced a better finish, this could have been one of our goals of the week. However, his central strike was misjudged by Scuffe, and the ball rolled in through his legs. That's Richie's first goal of the season. In the second half, in the 47th minute, Scuffe pulled off another great save on Zapata. In the 76th minute, our goal of the week occurred, where Viola unleashed a powerful curler from an angle, leaving Vanya rooted to the spot. In his celebration, he held up the number 11, paying homage to Riva. Then, in the 96th minute, Sazanov made a desperate block on Lapadula. Then, from the resulting corner, a Dossena header redirected by Lapadula had to be practically cleared off the line again by Sazanov. So, it could have been another fantastic comeback by Cagliari, but unfortunately, um, it was not. I want to talk a bit about Scuffe, because before that blunder, because, let's be real, it was a blunder, it was totally, totally savable, it went 
through his legs. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a great game, huh? He he's, had a fantastic he's, he's shown game. Shown that he's a very dependable goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. He's been he's been very good. Um, also interesting that you mention Sasonov. Sasonov. Yes. yes. Um, for those of you wondering, who the hell? This guy is um, a 21-year-old Georgian defender. <clears throat> he wears the number 15 for Torino and he is right-footed. He came from Dynamo Moscow mm. and he's previously played with St. Petersburg too. Cool. Um, in an attempt to win the game, Cagliari made a tactical switch at halftime, transitioning from a 3-4-2-1 formation to a more attacking 4-3-1-2 setup. Um, this saw Viola introduced as a Czechoartista, adding some more creativity and support to the attacking duo of Pavoletti and Petania. Torino, on the other hand, they kind of uh, focused on maintaining their defensive shape and controlling the midfield battle um, to protect their lead. But they... With the amount of strikers Cagliari have, these big strikers that they can bring on, and these versatile players, um, it's no wonder they get back into games so often, right? And this is, remember, without Zito Lovumbo to bring on. Yeah, yeah, they kind of do the same thing that Atalanta do when it comes to rotation, man. They, they've they got 30 players and they utilize all 30 of them, mm. you know what I mean? Um, like we've seen Petania, Pavoletti, Lapadula and uh, Shomorodov we've seen a bit less but I'm sure yeah. he's struggled with injuries um, yeah he has been yeah. definitely but yeah we've seen everyone on this Cagliari team consistently mm. I think a, a big part also for the, the loss of Cagliari um, losing Sulemana so early on in the game who, who has been very influential for yeah, Cagliari and uh, he grabbed the goal recently as well Prati kind of struggled to replicate Sulemana's influence mm-hmm. which set them set them back obviously Torino on the other hand they defensively they're very very sound so they managed to kind of control Cagliari in that sense and to be honest I, I think Torino well deserved this yeah. victory, yeah. you know, and to be honest with you, I'm not even sure if it weren't for the whole Gigi Riva situation, Kalier would have even got a goal because I'm sure that <laughs> was that was um, a reason for them to play even better because yeah. the Torino side poses a problem for Kalieri because they're mm. so organized and they can kill you with lateral passes and they can slow the tempo down and dictate the play with their two, with their brilliant double pivot. This time it was Linetti and Ricci. Mm-hmm. Um, and that back three, they're just so good, you know. You remember when Maradona passed away, Napoli played in an Argentina kit and Insigne literally turned into Maradona. That was crazy. That mental. <laughs> what people do when they're Yeah, playing. he scored they're... a free kick and yeah. then he scored another one from open play. It was amazing. Um, when it comes to the standings, Cagliari are in 18th place on 18 points. You can guess how many average points they get per game. And for Torino, they're in 10th place on 31 points, the most Torino thing ever in the world. Genoa beat Lecce to one the previous encounter, so Lecce beating them 1-0 thanks to a goal from Udon. And Aaron Martin was sent off that game. Hmm. Do you remember? Yes. Yeah, crazy. Josep Martinez was in goal for Genoa under 3-5-2 formation with De Winter, Bani and Vasquez at the back. Voliaccio out on the right and Spence out on the left. Spence is the new boy from Spurs. Thorsby, Malinowski and Strutman were in the middle with Retegui and Albert Goodmanson up front. For Lecce, it was their usual 4-3-3 formation with Falcone in goal. Gal- 
Gallo out on the left and Jean-Dre out on the right with Basker out on Pongracic at the back of midfield three of Udan, Ramadani and Kaba with Sansone on the left, Alkvis on the right and Kristovic up front. Genoa started the game off very aggressively trying to get in front from the get-go when in the 17th minute Vasquez brought down Alkvis in the box. Kristovic stepped up to take the penalty and he missed it. In the 31st minute, Kristovic uh, made amends for his previous mistake, missing the penalty, as his shot deflected off of Vasquez's leg and into the back of the net. Quite a nightmare start for Vasquez over here, yeah. giving away a penalty and having his deflection going into the back of his own net. Yeah. <clears throat> Genoa once again started the second half strongly and Malinowski struck the woodwork. In the 70th minute, it was Goodmanson who stepped up to take a free kick and he smashed the crossbar and the rebound was headed in by Retegui. Genoa hit the post for another time in six minutes. This time it was Vasquez, um, so making amends for his previous two errors. Um, Caleb Ekuban scored the winner courtesy of a stunning bicycle kick that came off of a rebound from this um, post. So yeah, that was 2-1. Genoa continue to impress, in my opinion. They show that they're a very organized side um, that know how to grind out results. They've got many players with, with rockets in their pockets, man. Like these shots from a distance are mental. Like mm-hmm. Malinowski and Goodmanson aren't two players that you'd expect to have standing over a free kick for Genoa, you know? Yeah. Like, I can imagine that at Fiorentina. Two players mm-hmm. like that, you know what I mean? They're fantastic uh, mm-hmm. set pieces. No, they're definitely one of my favorite teams to watch this season with the players that they have. And, and keep in mind, you know, typically we see Junior Messias in this team as well. They have yeah. some fantastic pieces yeah many many weapons to choose from it was an open game action packed if you look at the shots on goal Genoa had seven and Lecce had five so in reality it could have gone pretty much any other way um, possession stats were Lecce having slightly more possession with 51% so this was a very entertaining game full of action mm. and it could have gone any other way but Gilardino's yeah. side Sink Daversa's ship. Yeah, I was quite impressed by the way that, by the way, Lecce started the game. They were very offensive. They were really bringing the game to to Genoa, and I think they were the better team in the opening stage. It was end to end, huh? because I would say Genoa started quite aggressively too. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I would say end to end stuff, almost negating the midfield over mm. there, just literally box to box action. Mm. Um, regarding the standings for these guys, we've got Lecce in 14th with 21 points, while Genoa are in 11th with 28 points. Not bad for their return back to Serie A. Crazy. They are the Monza of this season. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Speaking of... <laughs> oh, what a transition. Monza Scalabria. 1, Sassuolo 0. Uh, Monza coming off a 3-0 loss to Empoli. Sassuolo didn't play a match day 21. Um... Their last feature was a 3-0 loss to Juve match day 20. However, what they did do in the meantime is play a friendly against Virtus Verona, where they won 5-1 and Mulattieri scored a hat-trick. Nice one, bros. Previous encounter between these two teams was Sassuolo 0, Monza 1. Both sides would have hoped to be closer to the top half of the table than the bottom <laughs> at the stage of the season. Neroverdi captain Domenico Berardi had knee surgery this week with um, Jeremy, Vinya and Defrel not fully fit either. So Josh Doig made his debut from the start. Di Gregorio was back for Monza. Are you laughing at the guy called Jeremy? <laughs> yes, obviously. <laughs> okay. What a hilarious name. Eh? <laughs> Jerbear, like. The Jerbear was out in <laughs> 
the 3-4-2-1 formation for Monza with Di Gregorio on goal and the back line of Caldirola, Mari and Ambrosio, that's more like it. Um, Churi out on the left, Birindelli out on the right and the double pivot of Pessina and Akpa Akpro, Carboni and Colpani played behind the informed Dani Mota. 4-3-3 formation for Sassuolo, conciliating goal, backline of Pedersen, Cessoldi, Ferrari and Dweig. Uh, Torres, Vet, Henrique and Boloca formed the midfield three as Castillejo and Lauriante um, flanked Pinamonti. In the 21st minute, Mota opened the scoring through a header, proceeding to carry out his ne-ne-ne-ne-ne celebration. Yeah. However, the goal was chalked off due to him being offside in the build-up. Now, it was beyond Marginal. fractional. Yeah, yeah. It could have been summed up as a as a pixel offside, wow. to be honest. Um, think of the Moise Keane one earlier this season. Essentially, it was a, a shoe size smaller. Then it would have it, it it would have counted supremely harsh and and VAR in 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 these scenarios it pisses me off. Yeah. In the twenty eighth minute, Torres Vet rattled the frame of the goal with a powerful low strike from outside the area. In the thirtieth minute, thirtieth, uh, Colpani scored. He is back. Uh, Mota beat two defenders and pulled back from the byline to Colpani, who took a touch to give himself space and drilled the snooker shot in from a tricky angle. Um, he had six goals in his opening 12 matches of the season, and now just went through a drought of nine matches up until this very moment. In the 48th minute, Carboni broke away well, but his angled shot drove just wide. Um, and actually, this is interesting, there were some worrying moments uh, when play was halted for several minutes. In fact, there were nine minutes of additional time which made you think the game was crazy, but it wasn't crazy. What actually happened was that a Sassuolo supporter slipped and hurt himself and received treatment from ambulance oh, staff. Kid. It was fucking bad, apparently. Yeah? Yeah. Was it one of the child supporters of Sassuolo or an adult one? I mean, what do you think, statistically? It's probably a child, statistically. It's probably a child or an opposition fan. Like, find a 50-plus-year-old that supports Sassuolo. I think it might be tough. I don't know how long they've been around for. You remember when we went to the stadium and there was that one guy who looked at us and was like, mm, good. Like, like, he was like ah, proud, proud of our he, worked, he worked at the stadium. Yeah. He worked he at the like, Marseille. Oh, look at our international reach, foreign <laughs> fans. <Hey. laughs> well, I don't think he thought we were foreign. But when, when we're in Italy, no one thinks we're foreign. Like. Now, Andrea Colpani. He scored. Great! Yeah, um, he's back. <laughs> it had been a while since he... Had scored and this should help his confidence. For Monza, the important thing this this game was to get all three points after they've been getting smashed by everyone. Um, and on top of that, they got a clean sheet as well, which is more than they could have hoped to get, to be honest. They should be very happy about that. Yeah, definitely. What do you make about that controversial VAR decision? Now I know offside is offside and onside is onside, but when it's when it's a pixel, bro, when no, it's a pixel. It could be a pixel. It could be an amoeba offside. Fuck I don't give off. a fuck, fuck bro. Off. I don't no give a fuck. way. Yes, man. No way. Yes, There's no way. It's either offside or it's onside. Statistically, it's a line. You're, it's a line. You draw a line. You're a fucking if, idiot, if, man. If the fucking striker is ahead of the line, offside. It doesn't matter if it's a hair. It doesn't matter if it's an arm. You What? Offside. Doesn't matter if it's hair. Doesn't matter if so it's a hair. If, if, a hair. if my fringe, yes, you can score with forward. your fringe. Look at that. Can I score of with my fringe? So voluminous. 
no, oh, bro. Look, I think the the real answer to that question is it's annoying, isn't it? When when a goal is cancelled, it's ridiculous, off because, man. It's ridiculous. Yes, I am leaning towards Wenger's law nowadays. Yes, I like that. I like, I like Wenger's the fact law. that um, the striker is kind of protected in the sense that he. As long as he's in line with the defender and not completely cut out, he's onside. Uh-huh. That would change the game completely, though. Low blocks would become crazy. Yeah, I agree. I think moving forward that it, it should be implemented. Wenger's law, we're making it sound like like it's uh, some kind of chemistry or yeah. physics foundation. Um, <coughs> but but yeah, I, I think I think that should be the way forward. And I think... Something has to be done about these super, super marginal calls because it's killing the game. Mm. Like if you have literally a, a stud offside, there is absolutely no way you should be calling that as an offside. It's far too harsh. The striker would have done but, everything but to stay onside. In that case, the rule needs revising, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do agree with you that these fine margins are very annoying and they do take a bit of the enjoyment out of the game because Keane's goal, for example, was ridiculous. This one was ridiculous as well. <clears throat> However, the way the rule currently is, this is the only way. This is yes, the only safe yes. way, you know. If it's slightly offside, it's offside. And you know what? The black and white nature can be appreciated in the sense that it's either fucking offside or it isn't and there's no room for interpretation and any favorable cause. So that can be appreciated, but it's just horrible seeing goals like this getting chalked off. Um, when it comes to where these teams stand in the table, winning myself some time, Monza are in 12th on 28 points, whilst Sassuolo find themselves in 15th on 19 points, just one away from the relegation zone. Verona also played Frosinone and it came 1-1. Um, surprise to absolutely nobody. These games always end in 1-1, apart from the previous encounter, which saw Frosinone beating them 2-1. Quite convincingly, Reiner and Sule got the first two goals and then Juric scored a consolation goal late on. Fun fact, did you know that Dembasek has joined Frosinone? No, I didn't know that yeah. Dembasek joined Frosinone. He's there. I found out while watching this game. <laughs> um, Frosinone also play an interesting 4-2-2-2 formation. Um, sorry, Verona play a 4-2-2-2 formation. That's my bad. Um, I kill you with 4-2-2-2 on FIFA. Ever, ever since the departures have happened, this is what they have opted for. And it's funny when you see it on paper because it looks like there's this massive hole in the middle. Um, but it's not really the case in play. Montepo was in goal. Chachua was out on the right. God bless me. Juan Cabal <laughs> was out on the left with Davidovic and Maniani at the back. Duda and Serdar were the midfield two. The farthest midfield two. Mm-hmm. Then the middle midfield two were Suslov and Lazovic. And the forward two were Noslin and Follerunshaw in their 4-2-2-2 formation. Noslin. Noslin. Diani Noslin. I have I prepared player profiles on all these guys, but I don't think we're gonna have time to go through them. No, um, but bro. I will address them. This is a race against yeah. time, like Demba Sex started out wide for um for Frosinone, as I'm gonna read the lineups, Luke Mintov style backwards. Um <laughs> Kyle George was up front with Sule out on the right. Turati was in goal. What's he doing? He's gone to the goalkeeper now. Breshanini <laughs> was on the left. Kelly was out on the right with Okoli and Romagnoli as the defensive partnership with Burabia, Berinchea and Harui in the midfield three. Now, 
The first half saw Lazovic nearly becoming the hero with an impressive half volley, but it hit at the top of the net. Medi Burabia fouled Tiani Noslin, leading to a penalty. Andre Duda stepped up, but it was saved by Stefano Turati. Before halftime, Burabia committed a handball, leading to another penalty for Verona. This time, Tomas Suslov converted, giving Verona a 1-0 lead. The second half kicked off, and Kao Jorge scored from a corner after Harui's shot was parried, and he equalized, of course, to make it 1-1. After the equalizer, both teams lacked composure to take the initiative. Um, Halas were were relieved, to be honest, to be above the relegation line. Um, after this game now apart from the game itself to be honest um, it wasn't really it was quite a quite an action-packed game of football to be honest mm. we saw quite a few shots on target five for Verona six for Frosinone you mm. know um, a decent amount of expected goals granted of course there were two penalties to take into consideration maybe without that Verona wouldn't have really had much of an XG um, mm-hmm. but, but yeah overall I think it was this game had draw written all over it, and that's what eventually played out. Just to tell you who Hellas Verona are playing with nowadays, they're playing a guy called Tiani Noslin up front. He arrived from a team called Sitard for three million. Um, no idea where Sitard are from. It's S I T T A R D. I am not um, offending anyone. This is Sitard. It's a football team. It's Dutch. Dutch. Well, his name's Tiani, so yeah. it makes absolute sense. Tiani Noslin from the Netherlands. They also got a guy called Elias Tavzan from the Netherlands too. You mean Elias? Elias. He joined from a team called Niemegen. I'm probably destroying all these. Um, he's a former Rotterdam player, this guy. Mm. Um, he joined for 500,000 euros. Another guy, they've got a Portuguese guy called Ruben Vinagre. Um, he joined from Sporting. He was, actually, he was actually owned by Verona, loaned out to Sporting, and he's come back from his loan. He's 24 years old. Um, yeah, Portuguese defender. Vinagre. There's no, no way that's how you say it. <laughs> they also have a guy called Daniel Silva. He's a midfielder who joined from Victoria Guimarães for two million. Um, and a guy called Juan Manuel Cruz who joined from Banfield as a free agent. Now Juan Manuel Cruz happens to be one second because my iPad is spazzing out. Mexican. He happens to be twenty-four years old. Yes, and he was his market value is four hundred thousand euros. So it's safe to say that Hellas Verona um, aren't really... It seems that they've given up in trying to replace their their key players, man. They're buying these young players in hope, I guess, to sell them from a profit um, in the future. But yeah. That, that That's the saddest transfer market I've ever heard. <laughs> you look, honestly, in your energy shifted, bro. My life, bro. Did you did you hear what you were just saying? <laughs> players Verona are bringing in it. This Serie yeah. This is Serie and they're bringing in who, bro? Tiani Noslin, bro. Tiani Noslin, and, and, and they're preparing for B. That's what Verona are doing. Verona are preparing for B. I'm not too sure. Huh? We'll see. We'll see. Because I, I think they still obviously aspire to stay afloat. It's just so, so, so weird that these are the moves they made. I mean... The manager, the players, they aspire to stay afloat. You see it in the way they play as well. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, they play very well. But, but uh, there is unfortunately the reality that the club, the business side of it, they're in trouble. Yeah. 
Yeah. No significant trouble. Absolutely, bro. Shall we call it a day? First, tell our lovely, beautiful listeners where they stand in the table. And then mm-hmm. I will remind our listeners that Duda, who missed a penalty, his name actually translated in Maltese means Willy. This is just to remind you guys in case, I don't know, you missed the episode where we yeah, said it. It means small Willy. It means small Willy. Yeah. So, like, when we say Duda, just appreciate the fact that we're not laughing our asses off. Hellas Verona are in 16th with 18 points, while Vrozenone are in 13th with 23 points. Um, one thing that we didn't mention is when we were at the bar watching Milan, one of the girls said, Salamakers is with Bologna, how embarrassing. <laughs> and Chiara also called the post the pole. <laughs> yes, I forgot about that. Uh, yeah. I was hoping you wouldn't say any of the cringe ones from my girlfriend. <laughs> Um, I have a note here as well that I forgot to mention. Sassuolo were absolutely disgusting at the end of the game as they gave up. Um, they played a ball through at the end of the Sassuolo number 23. He would have been clean through on goal, but he was flat-footed, man. There was an element of, honestly, they'd literally given up towards the end of the game, Sassuolo. Mm. Their work ethic is fucked. And also one more thing we didn't mention. Jesus, Marin, bro, have 30 seconds Honestly, left. this is perfect. Marin came on at the end of the Juve Empoli game to, specifically to take a free kick. There was only time for one yes. And he sent it into the stands, bro. It was hilarious. <laughs> the most anticlimactic ending to a game I've ever seen in my life. Thank you. Good night.